This is the one with a red light district. Red Dead Redemption. Jelly Sherbet Fancies. Mrs. Gilliflower's Secret Organ. And Trouble at Mill. It's called the Crimson Aura. Crimson Aura. <laughs> Here, Here we, we go. go. <laughs> Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel sound. Dalek Cyber Zood and wow. Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Echo Center with Ticker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join, Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be. But who back when? Who back when? What ho, dearest podcast land, and welcome to, oh my goodness, episode N, no zero, 100 of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast, or dare I say it, Dark Past! It's a special occasion, go ahead. Yeah. That's right. Thank you so much. <laughs> I am Leon, and I am overjoyed to be surrounded. You're one oh overjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> By the three loveliest fellow podcast hosts, namely directly to my left, Jim. Hello, Jim. Hello, Leon. Hello, Podcast Land. Directly in front of me, hello, Marie. Hey, hello. <laughs> and next to Marie, and across from Jim, and diagonally across from me, hello, Drew. Hey, up, lad. How's the bin? <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly, 100. This is the 100th New Who episode since it returned to our television screens in 2005. Yes, we know. TARDIS fandom said so. <laughs> and we beat the classics to it. Yeah, we did. And we're getting super duper close to the 50th anniversary and thus the end of Matt Smith's run. Oh. oh. No. Wait, what is this one called again? Have I even said so? This one's called The Crimson Horror. Had everyone seen it before? Yes. I don't know if I did. I've certainly seen all the constituent parts of it before. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> Shall we jump into a bicep chunk of who so we can get this ball rolling? Let's do that. Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview, this free for all. We like to call a bicep chunk of who. In this, the 100th episode of New Who, since the Doctor Who revival in 2005, the Doctor is at first nowhere to be seen. In Victorian Yorkshire, people are turning up red and dead in what at least one charismatic coroner is calling the Crimson Aura. When an optogram taken of one of these poor red devils makes its way to the greatest detective in London, Madame Vastra, and she sees the face of the 11th Doctor in it, the Paternoster gang knows it's time to head north. Mrs. Gillyflower, meanwhile, is preparing to Moonraker and is recruiting 19th century tyke supermodels to join her cult collective in Sweetville. Sadly, although her blind daughter wants to be part of the catwalk crew, Mama Gillyflower doesn't see eye to eye with her. From the outset, of course, Sweetville has the pretense of offering a wonderful chance of a new life in the same vein as a certain confectionery philanthropist. But why is everyone who ever entered Sweetville never seen or heard from again? Who is Mr. Sweet? And what's all the red gloop all about? Perhaps the Doctor will turn up after all and assist in cracking this case. Be scout over, you are welcome. Aren't you just? So where are we starting with this one? I kind of want to start in a very, very random place. Okay. It might not lead anywhere, but just getting it out there. Go for it. Did anyone else think Mr. Sweet was kind of cute? Do you know, yes, he is. I think he's quite adorable. Especially when he's on the floor and like crawling really slowly. <laughs> he away. looks like an inside out penis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> With teeth. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like an insect. <laughs> Wait. <what>? Yeah. <laughs> but as, as leeches go. He really yeah, grossed true. me out when he was on her chest. I couldn't, when she like flashed and like opened a dress up. And, and we see <laughs> his gross really, little sphincter mouth. Ugh, yeah, that was disgusting. Ugh. I don't know. I thought you looked cute there. (laughs) He sank his teeth into your heart, did he? He did, yeah. (laughs) He could suckle on my teeth. Well, that that was going to be my question. I mean, is, is is she effectively breastfeeding him? No, I think he's just biting her. Because she feeds him salt at yeah. one point. Yeah, does he just slip on salt? Was that salt? I thought it was sugar. Do you know? I, I think it's salt because she then like throws some over I mean, her shoulder. That makes a ton of sense. But he's not called Mister Salty, is he? So, oh, that's true. Oh, that's true. And also, are leeches like other mollusk type things that you put salt on and they shrivel up? Wait, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Also, have you ever... No, wait. No, I'm not going to go there. We are dealing with a fictional <laughs> Cretaceous-era leech, but yeah, I see what you're saying, Jim. Sugar would make more sense. It would. Also... But the salt thing was I didn't there. even make the Mr. Sweet connection, but... <laughs> but, she, but she was doing the, um, oh, I'm just going to throw this salt over my exactly. shoulder for good luck. Yeah. Um, and explaining it away to her blind daughter. Nobody else was No, watching. it was to the butler or oh, really? whatever. There, there's the really, a really, really good-looking butler. They're really good looking. Aren't they all? Isn't that uh, the staff are just the supermodels? No. Oh, that's true. Every, everyone's meant to be good looking. This is not the first time that we've had a Moonraker plot, by the way, right? I feel like we've made that reference before on Who Back When. Possibly not. For, for those that don't quite remember the plot of Moonraker, is this like Moonraker because someone's trying to set something into space and explode a poison or just... Well, not just that. Just rocket into space. In Moonraker, what's his face? Drax. Hugo uh, Drax. Hugo Drax. Well done. He's assembling all the, like, best specimens according to his criteria. Like, all the, like, good-looking people, basically. A bunch of Bond-era babes and buff hunks are boarding a spaceship, going to space. Then he's going to poison all of mankind. And then when the poison, like, the dust has settled, all these good-looking people are going to re-inhabit the Earth. And that's it. And that's basically what What's-Her-Face McGillicuddy is doing as well. Yeah, and Roger Moore yeah. takes them down basically because he's annoyed at not having been invited. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't even send him up there. He's just on a private mission. Like, dude, I should be first person on that ship. <laughs> yeah, he's like, if I'm not up there, then the human race will lose the ability to raise an eyebrow. Like, that won't be part of the gene pool anymore. <laughs> anyway, I, I feel like we've had something like that on in Doctor Who before. This might have been a classic episode actually i can't remember now i feel like this episode treads so much old ground you're eventually just churning mud into quicksand by the end of the episode just drowning does this mean that you didn't really like it well the thing is i thought it was a pretty decent episode but it got more and more noticeable as it went along did you guys like it no 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 i don't think i did really Did you? I, it's sort of a take it or leave it for me, frankly, but I, I didn't dislike it. I didn't... I thought it, it had lots of atmosphere, mm. but very little in the plot department. Oh. <laughs> you said that about quite a lot of really? Doctor Who episodes lately. And in fact, oh, didn't balls. you say that about Night Terrors? Tons of atmosphere. But yeah, that is. You're right. That's exactly... Who no, not Night, Night Terrors. Hide. I think you said it about both. Night Terrors is a piece of shit, isn't it? I think you said <laughs> Wait, Night Terrors is the peg doll ones. Yeah. And it's one redeeming thing I thought we said was it had some atmosphere. It does have atmosphere. And who wrote that? It was it Mark Gatiss? I think it might have been. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's right. So this is, oh, sorry. So this is written by Mark Gatiss. Mm. 
first time in a while, I think, that we've had a non-Moffat episode. Is, am I right in saying that? Maybe I'm not right You're in saying that. You're completely wrong in saying that. I'm entirely wrong in saying that. <laughs> <laughs> We're not at a Moffat episode for ages, are we? The, the first exactly, time... Jim. <laughs> when was the last time we had a Moffat episode? I think The Bells of St. John. Oh, wow. Yeah, ignore everything I'm we've saying. We've had two Neil Cross episodes since Oh, then. that's right. One, uh, Steve Thompson, and somewhere in between. Oh, you know what? Yeah, ignore me entirely. You're absolutely right. But you may have had Moff in your mind because we have the Paternoster gang. That is what I had in mind because that was in the trivia. I've, I saw that. The first time that we've had the Paternoster gang in an episode not written by Stephen Moffat. And I think Gatiss does a decent job of uh, doing a Moffat pastiche or an homage or, or whatever. I agree. I, I feel like that's a sign of these characters having been very well conceived. Now anyone, not anyone, I don't want to say that it, you know anyone can do this, but another decent writer can pick up the reins and just further those characters. Did you like their appearances in this episode, the dubious two? Are you directing me at two dubious people in the episode, or me and Marie on no, you and the Marie. podcast in real life? <laughs> <laughs> well, there are three what's, of them in the episode, Jim. What's dubious about me and Jim? <laughs> You're dubious about this episode. No, I, I like the Paternoster, whatever name it is. Vastra and co. <laughs> Vastra and friends. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think you've hit on something here, that you, they, they're well-crafted so that someone else can just plot them somewhere in their story and it makes sense which i think is the one kind of good sealed off part of this episode but what makes it bad is that the doctor isn't part of that and clara isn't part of that the vastra crew are interesting when it's just the vastra crew ah okay which i think is a shame because when we saw it with the doctor interacting with them you get another level with it and they, they fit into the universe a bit better and but this is this could have just been vastra's show yeah you're right they're very much just they're separated from one another for a little while the doc and jenny are interacting like those two are running around together but this takes place after the snowmen right because mm-hmm. they recognize clara they just assume that it's the same clara as before but they recognize her so it must take place after that was there not more of an established relationship between Vastra and Jenny in The Snowman than there is now? I feel like there's... Yeah, maybe I, f- I looked away for a moment, but I feel like we don't really get them in a relationship in this one. That's what I was going to... I hadn't actually picked up on that. I guess they're not on their own. They're not... They in, Yeah, previously they've done the kind of like little nods here and there and little in-jokes and like flirting and stuff, and we haven't seen any of that. But I'd assume they're still together. But the thing that really bothered me was when the Doctor does become part of it and him and Jenny have their little interactions. He's really... Um, He's like, like Weinsteining her. Overbearing with her, exactly. <laughs> like he kisses her, he he makes a really crude, like when he's got his sonic screwdriver up and then she's like, no, I've got this. And she whips off her like frock and then she's like really badass and cool underneath. She's got this like outfit that she's It's can- Marvel's Jenny. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and he does, he has this weird little look with his screw and then his screwdriver goes down and it's like this really like... Oh, he's being emasculated yeah, or something. I didn't pick up on that. Really. That's interesting. Yeah. And it just, oh yeah, I really didn't like how he was with Jenny and that didn't fit with how he's been with her in the past and he knows that her and Vastra are... I think, have we seen, are they married? I was going to ask that as well, if they're married or, because I know at some, at some point, point they, they, they do get married. I not mentioned or not yet, but... Um, I, I don't think it's happened but we yet. Definitely know that they're a couple certainly right um so yeah that's wildly inappropriate for him to be treating her like that there's only one reference as far as i know in this one when mcgillicuddy is going like oh hey i need to moonrake a lot of good looking people and madame vastra goes well we we need to send the most beautiful and talented i can't remember what it is she says i wrote it down but now i've the fittest and the most beautiful she says Hmm. and 
sort of hint, hint, I think you're the most beautiful. That's just the where Strax goes, yes, I, I shall go and, you know, yeah. I'm the you most beautiful. You want to send this weak and fleshy boy? boy. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's it. That's the full extent of Vastra and Jenny really interacting and flirting and like being romantically entangled. So it feels almost, what I'm getting at is, it feels almost like this is written with those characters in mind. It's done really, really well. But it's written as a story that could just as well have been plonked in anywhere else on their timeline. It doesn't have to happen after we've established that they're a couple. It can just as well have been a story that they introduced ages ago. Yeah. Is this just not another side of those three interacting? So they're solely on a case. Like they're, they're already in the midst of a case because they're speaking to the people who are involved straight away. And I don't know. Yeah, the brother of one of the deceased has come to them. Although never doctor had been involved before. I don't know. Maybe we do see them right at the start. How did the guy get an appointment? Because I remember when Clara was trying to talk to them and she had to like crack this unbreakable code and you had to use only one word and you had to blah, blah, blah and all these things to try and get them to help. And then now suddenly this just rando comes to the door and he's like, oh, I'd like to... No, uh... that, that, the point about that was they were acting as gatekeepers for the doctor. Oh, okay. And that was try- her trying to get to the doctor. This guy's just asking for help. She's a consulting detective, of course. Okay, no, you're right. She's not going to get far as a consulting detective. <laughs> <laughs> to, see her. Uh, to go back to the Jenny and Vastra thing mm-hmm. from a slightly different angle I've thought previously that they've overdone the lesbian thing insofar as it excluded Jenny having any character previously beyond that does she have any character in this one though well, where they're not addressing the relationship more I mean she because I, I was watching this keenly as it went along, being like, okay, so how much of Jenny's character are we seeing? I made a note about when she's talking to Abigail in the corridor, and uh, she says, um, a bleeding horse market is what it's like up in there. I said, I feel like that's the first moment we've had from her that wasn't thrusting forwards either the plot or the lesbian thing. And so I was like, a moment of actual honest-to-goodness individuality. Great, let's have more from Jenny. And I'm not saying I don't want to hear about the lesbian thing, I just thought it excluded Jenny previously. So I was hoping for sort of a mix where both could coexist because you're doing with the whole representation thing and that's fine. You're you're gaining ground for the previously underrepresented minorities. But at a certain point, you have to normalize it a bit where it's like, okay, we can have more than just the the restatements of the facts. Yes, of course. But when they are together in a room, would you not expect them to act differently? Because like she keeps talking to her, she keeps referring to her as madam. Yeah. And it, she Ooh. acts more like an employee than a, a partner. Because I, I don't think I'd really picked up on that. Because just watching it, knowing that they are a couple, I just kind of projected, oh, they're, they're doing their, they are a couple, but they work together, that's fine, blah, yeah. blah, blah, and not thought much of it. But now you've said that, imagine this is the first episode you're watching. You would have no idea that there's a lesbian couple no, as like a prominent not. central characters in this Show, yeah. no, no, I guess that's true. No, not that yeah. that matters necessarily, but no. you wouldn't know that those two are in a relationship. No, exactly. And I, I, but I agree with you. I think this is probably the best effort, possibly actually the only effort so far to actually explore Jenny's character, because otherwise when they are in a room, Jenny is by default the less interesting one because she's not a lizard. <laughs> yeah, and, and she's the one sort of rolling her eyes at Madame Vastra's ridiculous double entendres, <laughs> <Yeah>. usually. <laughs> I don't know, because I feel like if you had two other people on an adventure, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to remember back to Amy and Rory. Like, they weren't constantly snogging, but there was always relationship 
shit going mm. on basically i'm i'm thinking if i were on a, a doctor who adventure with abby we'd be concentrating on the adventures rather than peeling off every few minutes to smooch each other and make sure that we were still married you know but so I, the, I felt like this was sort of point. quite natural in that way but maybe at okay. the end of it when you've all survived and everyone's happy maybe you'd have a little kiss or a cuddle then like uh, uh, yeah, the yeah, amy yeah. and rory thing i think it was always at the close of the episode they'd have a little moment maybe where either she'd punch him or kick him or something um <laughs> or or try to cheat on him yeah. or be just a dreadful <laughs> person <laughs> but i think you were always aware i don't think you could ever watch an episode of them in isolation and not know that they were a couple you should have one and the other shouldn't you like, yeah you vastra and jenny were denied their little episode ending moment yeah exactly hmm. minus one point <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> what? lesbian one representation one. <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> Also, I didn't like Strax in this episode. Not that, like, you could never not like Strax. Strax is great. But I just remember, like, every other episode he's in, he makes me laugh out loud. He is so funny. And this episode, it just was like, oh. You didn't, like- you didn't laugh at casualties could be kept to perhaps as little as 80%. <laughs> <laughs> not as much as Leon clearly did. Because <laughs> I missed that line. Oh, really? <laughs> No, just it didn't seem. It didn't know. It didn't, didn't seem quite as witty as he has been in the past. I was actually amazed that the Thomas Thomas. Oh, <laughs> has, I did not like that. Has at dated all. so much because I, I think that was kind of funny the first time I watched this. But Tom Toms aren't really a thing anymore and haven't been a thing for quite a while. <laughs> and actually watching it now, it's just like, oh, that's just really, really bad. And Jim, I don't think work. that's ever been funny. All right. I'm- <laughs> with Jim I think really I, I think it was okay at the time and it's, it's historically unfortunate that mm. technology has marched forward a pace <laughs> I does think, that still exist it I'm sure it does exist I yeah. mean okay maybe it's a generational thing so if, if you have really really young kids and you're introducing them to Doctor Who now those kids are not going to get that joke but in general I, I didn't like that bit because it took me out of the episode it's yeah. like, oh wait this is an in joke between you the writer who lives not in Victorian England and me a member of the audience who also is not yeah. in Victorian England so oh I don't I, I didn't like appreciate if it, that if it was a random kid that had just been giving him directions then his name happened to be Thomas Thomas what's your name Google Maps <laughs> <laughs> Mappy Googlies yeah and five years from now there'll be something different and the podcast that follows us will be like what a crap day oh, Work at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think it ever works because it's too. Is like you say, it takes you out. His voice is. is it's like, not quite words, it's breaking the fourth wall, it's, but it almost breaks the. Fourth. It basically yeah. is. Yeah. I think there's no I, way I, that kid is in Victoria in Yorkshire. Mm. I think that's why I found it funny. Is like the first time round, it's like ah, da, 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 and then I'm putting your brain to it. It's just like no, that's that's terrible. It's not fitting in at all. Yeah. But wait, reason I mentioned it at that point is because it's Strax isn't in that many scenes. Yeah. And it's one of his probably longer scenes. It should have been a really funny scene, him. and it wasn't. And it was terrible. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was also there was also the horse. I, I was, yeah, I like that he was about to execute like the fourth horse that week, <laughs> even though is. he wasn't hungry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was good. I like yeah. that. No, Strax is always amazing. Mm. I love Strax. Yeah, there was a bit at the end of the cold open which didn't make sense. What was that? Which is that Mister Thursday, Edmund's brother, hands Vastra the image uh, where the octogram is visible. Yeah, and she goes. 
oh my gosh and jenny goes bayek or whatever and they both exclaim and so you know that they've seen that it's the doctor in this guy's eye but then they have to do the whole dark room thing and be like oh look we've blown it up so the camera can see it and now we can end the cold open yeah that's true Mm. and in fact there are several pictures hanging there i don't want to be the one to defend this episode but maybe uh, (laughs) (laughs) maybe it was like oh my gosh you can see an image there is a person there there's a little blurry face yeah because we didn't think that that opto bloody blah thing is possible and now we know it's possible and that's a shock and then the second shock is oh it's the doctor yeah there's nothing distinctive about that blur it doesn't have an enormous jawline at the bottom of the blur or anything my uh, bigger issue with that particular scene is the shot that we see of the doctor and he's all suave and like oh i'm the doctor i'm doing my doctor thing and then later on when we see i think we're in the morgue and they look at his eye again presumably it's the same image because he's dead and he has eye hasn't changed but the in this image the doctor is like screaming and he's right up close to the camera and it's just a completely different shot there's like no way they could be confused for the same shot mm, well yeah. done Marie. Mm, that no, really bugged I only saw the screaming doctor one. Yeah. I read that it's on like, Todd's wiki, but I didn't pick it's up like on it myself. It's like a really integral plot point. Why wouldn't yeah. you use the same image? <laughs> yeah. like, know, come true. on. <laughs> Just repeat the shot. Like, yeah. It's not like they never do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can still clearly tell it's the doctor. And wouldn't it be more intriguing to see the doctor screaming and in pain? And then you'd have to go and help him rather than just, oh, the doctor's there. I guess we should go there then. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, fair. Is that to stop you thinking that he's really obviously the monster? Maybe. Because if you make him look too suave to be a monster, then you can maintain an air of mystery for the first 20 minutes when there's something behind the door. Who knew it was the monster straight away? I remembered this. I, 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 fi- I knew it as well. I yeah. figured it out when the hand burst through and it was very obviously a human hand. Well, yeah. <laughs> slash Time Lord hand, in fact. <laughs> Racist. <laughs> <laughs> that really bugged me as well, how far his hand went through. When Jenny, he's chained when at the Jenny's back of the there, room. He's chained at the back of the room. Um, blind Lady Ada has been feeding him and he's never once put his hand through before. Yep, he can like, only move slowly and with extreme difficulty. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys! <laughs> I'm like, not another point off. Why does that. it have to be a, a really fast snatchy thing? Like, a red hand just sort of creeping out would have been pretty spooky as well. It doesn't have to be a ah, grab moment. Exactly. Also true, yeah. yeah. Jump scare. Yeah. It's a bit cheap. Yeah. It is cheap. It's just to stop, because Jenny at that point is wanting to look in the room, so she would see that it was a doctor, and then she would be going, oh, doctor, it's you, I'm going to save you, rather than being scared. So it's the only way that she can be frightened by it, because it's stopping her seeing what's in there. Why doesn't she look... Sorry, why am I defending? I keep defending yeah, it. No, why I'm going to not defend it. Because like, <sighs> it could be dark he could be like what? half visible with an arm in the way and it's like yeah it's easy to mask him when she's looking for a little slit on the floor <laughs> you know why doesn't she just look through the cat flap that's what she's trying to do and then his hand shoots out and stops her and she has to like back off oh is it really yeah she's like bent down on the floor and then his hand yeah hand comes out oh i see hmm. so my big elephant in the room with this episode as well oh is how the fuck does mrs gillyflower build a rocket oh wait with the aid of her superhero, supermodel, but butlers. Yeah, she's got a whole town as her workforce. They're the smartest and the prettiest. <laughs> but, oh, okay then. <laughs> I'll back off. <laughs> we, we, we used to be able to make things in this country, Jim. <laughs> in 1893. Yeah, we would have won the space race had Doc not screwed it all up. <laughs> Any random chemist and engineer could just whip up a rocket yeah, a no rocket way. that has amazing form of propulsion that you can stand next to it as it goes off you don't get hurt <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
That's the uh, opposite of Moonraker. Very true. <laughs> No, yeah. that's a super good question. Wait, how? A, how do they have the engineering skills to put that together? B, how does she manage to get them to do it? Because it would somehow imply that she has those skills because she needs to manipulate people to do that. They're just following orders, right? Because it, the, like you would assume that it, it's an alien technology. It comes from the um, the like leech thing on a chest. But then we discovered that he's that just that's a leech, a, like yeah. an, and it's an ancient leech. It's not like a leech that come back from the future and no. might have also true, got this yeah. knowledge. It's a and leech it's, from. I don't even know if it's that sentient, is it? I don't know. Just seen it's, it's it's just, crawling really slowly. It just has really nasty poison. That, yeah. that seems to be the use to Mister Sweet. Yeah. Another point. Also, <laughs> you're now at like I'm, minus I'm seven. Minus five. <laughs> How about you? Way ahead of you, Jim. <laughs> Why does she? So backpedaling a little bit to the scene where she's like throwing salt over her shoulder. Or sugar. Or sugar. She's doing that as as a way of not getting the butler to know what's going on. Because the butler can't know about yeah. Mr. Sweet. But that would mean that, that the butler, and if the butler then probably also other people around there, are not manipulated or like brainwashed or whatever by her and Mr. Sweet. But would you not have to be brainwashed by her and Mr. Sweet in order to s- sit down and design a rocket? <laughs> but we haven't seen anyone brainwashed. We've just seen people made into, like, the living plastic thing. But so why would anyone agree, like... In the little... Why are they... Why, why are they in, like, little glass little thingies? Glass. What the shit is that about? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, hermetically sealed. So to like, protect... they would die. To, pro- no, they to are... protect them from the rain. Oh, of... oh, wait. Oh, and there was a... Oh, you're yeah. right. You're right. But that means anyone that's not hermetically sealed, have they been treated differently? Some little pump there and everything, yeah, so they wouldn't have died in that. So my interpretation was that the the really, really, really good looking guards are just cult people signed up to die. Because (gasps) she signed up to die. She turns one of them away at one point and says, like, go find your place in heaven or something like that. So she uses the word heaven, whereas they've been talking about, I think, paradise or something Uh, before. Oh, really? I missed this. I, d- I don't think it was go dip yourself and then st- standing in a glass jar. <laughs> dip yourself. <laughs> but she, but was, she thought she was going to have time to save herself. She wasn't giving herself up. Well, I think she had already Which, given herself an immunity somehow, because that's what she said about the experiments on Ada. Were it was working out the right dosage so that she could get an antidote. Mm. Uh, Drew, resident expert on cult depictions in Doctor Who. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly none of the butlers or staff have a mind of their own, or indeed a line of their own. They yeah. are just automatons walking around. But that would suggest that they are under the influence of something, right? Well, it would suggest that, but I don't think we're ever given a reason for that, or an agent that has affected that. And I'm now confused about what the two halves of this plan are and how they go together, which is you dip people in the pit to make them immune to, to the toxin. And then you also put them in a bell jar, which they now don't need to go exactly, in. Exactly, yeah. Because they've been dipped. I mean, what's going yeah. on there? No, this does, that doesn't make sense. Because what do you need the jars for at all? Is the idea that you just find people who are effectively immune to the poison, and they are then going to be the only people who survive this apocalyptic event. Oh, they are supposed to sleep for months, aren't they? And then wake up after the venom is washed this, away. It sedates them or something. Yeah, it freezes them. Yeah, because they're not moving in the jars. Okay, so wait, hang on. Wait, so wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> We're waiting. Doc does this to himself. 
Oh, wait, let's put a pin in that as well, because I hate that sonic screwdriver scene. But so, <laughs> when Doc does oh, this yeah. to Clara, he takes red, poisoned, still alive, whatever, frozen in Clara, plops her in a, a cupboard with, I think, possibly steam pipes or a something. reverse red machine. Is it the steam? the poison out. What's it? But it's a closet. By is, a steam. Yeah. Is it, it's is an airy cupboard is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> is it that heat in some, some way has an effect on this? Is that why she's in there? Like, why, why does that rescue her? Oh, there's no explanation we can possibly foist upon this. He goes into the cupboard himself and he just managed to angle the sonic back at himself. And yeah, that... Okay, Magic yeah, no, you know what? Let's get to that pin. Why is it that the sonic screwdriver, which is a screwdriver... Fine, yeah, let's not do that. But why can the sonic screwdriver disinfect him and unfreeze him and... It, like, I'm annoyingly trying to defend this. I don't want to. But, you can't yeah. help yourself, can you? <laughs> you dubious too. But I, I do feel like that box is the thing he's sonicking. He's not sonicking himself. Like that cubicle, oh. that cubicle is there to do something with the venom. I th- I feel like it's a bit weird that it's a unvenoming. What's the <laughs> a, a curing machine? Because I don't know why they'd have a curing machine. But I, th- I think he in case an experiment on Ada went wrong. Perhaps? Maybe like maybe it's more controlled experiment space Wait, rather so than you... a big dip. Oh, so you're not saying that this is a closet that he turns into a, a, no, a there's, cure machine? There's red, Sonic. there's red mist venting out of it before he gets in, and then it turns green when he goes in it and Sonics it. Like he he changes the machine, is doing something. He changes it with the Sonic to sort himself out. Oh. That's the way I saw it. Marie's nodding her head. I like it. I like nodding, it. Yeah, it did, it was definitely not just a cupboard. It had it had the red steam. I think I'm convinced. I love yeah. this idea. And really, well done, Mark. No, like I'm not going to go that one. far. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I feel like there was another cupboard like two meters down as well. Which yeah, I, it seemed I, like there were a lot of them. I kind of expected someone to burst out of that. At Maybe some point, that's but. the cupboard that the butlers go in, and it's a different type. It's not a dipping. It's an Maybe. infusion. Oh, we never see that though. <sighs> An infusion, what, like a cold brew or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, a it's just a nice steaming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's a poison mm. sauna. The, the, it, it, I, I like the idea of him not sonicking himself, but sonicking this cupboard. I think that's a, mm. I think that's a very good reading of it. I think you're just swapping biological magic for mechanical magic. Yeah, I'd much rather have that. This okay. is a screwdriver. He can, he can alter machinery with it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we needed some kind of explanation maybe of what the machine was. Like, throw in a line afterwards, the dot goes... Oh, thank goodness, ah, we yeah. have the airing cupboard thingy. Yeah. <laughs> I set the airing cupboard to cure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got more beefs. By which I mean beefs. We mentioned the scene before where she's she's chatting with the... Um, I've just got her down as English teeth, but I can't remember her name oh, now. Oh, the Yorkshire Blight. That's the one. <laughs> Abigail. English teeth! <laughs> I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) She makes a reference to it herself. Okay, I'm sorry. Podcast land, I'm really blushing over here. She makes a reference to her teeth. Yeah, like 200 years ago. (laughs) Dentistry has come on in the UK since then. Fine. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. It's 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 a... a cheap dig. But okay, yeah, so in that scene, which is admittedly a really... I, I really like that scene, that little chat that Jenny and this character, I can't remember her name. Abigail! Abi- Wait, really? Yes. I like the conversation that Jenny and Abigail have. Hmm. I also like that Jenny goes, okay, you know what? I'll bribe you. I'll, I'll give you a coin. <laughs> a guinea. There's a shiny guinea in it for ya. <laughs> if you swoon. 
thus <laughs> taking all the attention away from me. To be fair, it was a really good swoon. It was. Yeah. I don't like... I, I feel like she could have swooned a little bit further down the <laughs> corridor. Yeah. As, as yeah. I was right next to Jenny. Like, oh, yeah, and the door that Jenny then in front of it, like everyone's gaze is now turned towards Jenny and the door that she is breaking into. <laughs> God damn you, English teeth. You, no. If you'd done this no. two steps further down the corridor, no. no one would have noticed. This is Jenny's fault. This is entirely Jenny's fault. She just, get, she just told her to swoon. This woman didn't know what the plan was. Yeah. She took the coin and she went, okay, I'm swooning now. You're no, you're right. Jenny damn should you, have said, "Damn you, Walk Jenny!" Ten meters down there and swoon over there. Yeah, yeah. professionally, yeah. <laughs> knowing exactly what my intentions are. I actually have a different beef with this scene. Oh, my beef. Oh, what? Sorry, beef. <laughs> what is your beef, Jim? <laughs> The director didn't make the extras look in the right direction beforehand because they're staring right at Jenny while she's breaking into the lock mm. while all this is going on. There's like two, oh, peop- two people in the background just looking at her going, she's trying to go into that room. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then next scene is like, like, oh, that woman's swooned. That was just talking to that woman that was going into that room. And then they turn around and they're like, oh, where's that woman gone? <laughs> Disappeared completely. In fact, to the point where I think there's another extra that has stood who has to basically come in from the doorway as it shuts because she's backed out too far. (laughs) Oh, Oh. like that whole scene is just like, yeah, I kind of get that maybe they don't give a shit, but I think it would have worked better if you made it look like they gave a shit. (laughs) But that's the thing. That's the other thing is that they don't give a shit. Like they're in a queue to, to what? To join up? To become the people? Wait, yeah. But none of them work there. They wouldn't... If Jenny had walked through the door, they'd have been like, oh, wonder where she's going. And then never thought about it again. No. But this this leads on to my other elephant in the room. Oh. Is that all these people that go to Sweetville get this big speech about the apocalypse and how it's going to save them and all this kind of stuff. Like, is that not a bit of a weird way to play your hand? Like, just... Well, I was li- literally putting your, your cultish credentials on your sleeve <laughs> <laughs> whilst offering salvation. And I don't, then I don't go know. home and be like, Mom, Dad, there's an apocalypse coming. Maybe we should yeah. leave town. It's like, no, because it's, it's like playing up the, well, we've got a shit life. Let's go and get a job versus the world's about to end. <laughs> let's go and s- stay in that, that one town that's going to apparently survive. At what point does McGillicuddy decide, oh, these people are in, these people are not in? Because they are walking down that corridor after they've had the, the whole spiel from McGillicuddy and after she's spoken to uh, Jenny and Jenny's like, oh, can I join? She's like, oh, I think you'd make a wonderful addition to, yeah. to my team. But then mm. Abigail is still hoping not to be rejected. Mm. I mean, that's where the teeth thing comes in, right? She goes, oh, I hope they don't reject me on the basis of my teeth. Because I I took the the, gen, the thing where Jenny's signing up, that was the like, yes, you can come. Um, but she's in the same line with Abigail. However, maybe there's been like rumours circulating about this like, quote unquote rejection and they're like oh I don't want to be rejected I don't want to be rejected but what they're really hearing rumours of are the like re- like reject bodies that end up in the river are you making this up? yeah oh okay <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fairly sound I mean but yeah if, if word of mouth is spreading throughout the town where are you going to station people to stop other people forming a queue like at, at the gates then you need the people on the gates to be fully trained and as we've discussed they're just automatons shuttling back and forth so that there needs to be the selection process needs to happen like deep in the secret heart of Sweetville 
or Sville, as we may now call it. Oh, so does that then? You, okay, you know what? I'll, I'm I buy that. So that then implies that the green light that Jenny's got from McGillicuddy is actually not an, the official green light. The green light comes potentially at the end of that corridor that they're all walking down. Well, the the, yeah. the yeah. end green light. Okay, yeah, they, I'm I'm on board with that. I think they dip them all, and it's just the ones that survive. They. But, but, oh, but wait, because this this is what I was thinking watching the episode is that the selection process is basically Chemical. do you do you freeze or do you die? Yeah, but then, I don't think they send anyone away at that point. I don't think it is. But then this is at odds with Gillyflower's drive to have like the ultimate human race surviving and wiping everyone else out. Because I, the ultimate human race would survive the process. Because if not, you're too weak. I don't think so. I think there's a just a really grossly superficial criterion as the only criterion that that's valid but for McGillicuddy because she looks first, at Jenny. That's the first criteria is you're good enough to to attempt it. So they only let the good looking people in. And then the second one is do you survive the actual process? But does that still mean there's a point somewhere where they're saying, Sorry, oh, you're too you're, ugly. You're yeah. not coming in. Yeah. Uh, where Jenny says kind of like she says, do you want to join? And I don't know. They have that little interaction. I think at that point they would say, no, we don't want you. And where do they go? Back. And they, yeah, and back home. Because that's the thing. At that point, you, they can turn you away and be like, oh, I didn't make the cut. By the time you're in the building and you're doing the big queue thing, they're not, they're not just turning people back then and, and letting them walk out. Because okay, they've okay. said nobody leaves. Once you're in, nobody ever leaves. So, so The only way out of but, there is dead. But, 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 but no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but. But, but, but Abigail but, is <laughs> Abigail does not feel like oh so this is where your completely retcon theory about maybe there are rumors of rejections yeah. which, which is a lovely retcon but there is never any hint of this in the episode no. as far as I'm aware right no no but it, it perfectly explains but it I like you're right it and I'm going with it I agree oh, Jim's okay. going hand up. Oh, please please <laughs> <laughs> so but this means. Like, someone who's rejected goes back after watching the propaganda spiel and saying, oh, this woman thinks there's going to be an apocalypse. Everyone out here is going to die. Like, isn't it a mass panic or a big newspaper story? And also... Oh, no. That, I, don't, I don't think that spiel takes place anywhere near Sweetville. Because she also shows a picture of the building and everyone in the room is just like, oh, my goodness, that's the most amazing thing. I've never had it in here. It's a block in your town. You have seen it, right? Yeah. So also, how, did but, Je- how did Jenny get there? How did they know where they were? I got the impression that this was in the town hall or in a church or something but, to that effect. Like it's a public space. But if it's oh, not in okay. that, if it's not in that. that town, where I think Sweetville it is. is. I think it is in that town. I think it's just a bit of. It's a bit crap that they uh, don't recognize okay. the house until they she unveils it. But uh, the 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 print of it. But I don't think that that takes place anywhere near the house. So this is, maybe Abigail isn't even in that crowd. That's just to convince people to go and stand in that corridor and walk down to eventually green light, red lights. Yeah. 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 I mean, people were a fair bit less mobile back in 1893. This predates the era of the car. If, If the town is a few miles across and someone builds a Sweetville development on the other side of town, you're not necessarily going to have seen it. So she's really? got the thing there to be like, and this is how beautiful it looks. And but everyone dreams of but moving also, there. Would they not have gone there? And Seriously, would, they, would you not have gone and looked at this enormous, huge development? were busy back then, dude. They didn't have leisure time to just go gallivanting halfway across the county. Um, <laughs> they were working 12-hour days, six days a week, and going to church on Sunday and sleeping yeah. and making bread. 
Yeah, bread takes a lot of your time, actually, to make. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, bread wasn't sliced back then. No. You have no idea the labour <laughs> that's going into survival. <laughs> I think I'll just be a flaneur for the day. <laughs> this is the wrong century for that. <laughs> to come back but, to Jim's recruitment thing from way back when, <laughs> but I've been trying to get a word in since okay. then. <laughs> Apologies. Sorry. I wrote that article about how cult and religion on Doctor Who are grey area terms that are sometimes conflated and I was thinking that Mrs. Gillicuddy turns up in a church it could have been a town hall and a fucking great organ there but sometimes you get those in town halls as well so maybe this point isn't as valid as I thought it was but I thought that what Mark Gatiss was saying is Mrs. Gillicuddy can rock up in a church use this language that appeals to people who are used to hearing it and so it'll be you know a ripe harvest for her in there the exploitable vulnerable people Mm. I thought that was his point. Okay. But I don't know, maybe not. So, yeah, this this is just the whole issue I've decided I have the biggest problem with with this episode is that it doesn't it doesn't seem to fit very well that she is claiming to recruit the best, but also we're seeing her recruit the downtrodden effectively. Cuz I I think you're absolutely right. She's she's saying things that are uplifting to people who don't have a lot to live for, and that's the people that are trudging down the corridor. And I'm I'm still convinced this is in bloody Sweetville because that's why Jenny goes through a, a locked door and ends up finding the behind the scenes of no, Sweetville. The, the corridor is in Sweetville, but not yeah. the original speech that she but does. Exactly. Because they don't, yeah, they wouldn't unveil the picture and it's like, oh, that's the border oh, that you're in. Exactly. Yeah. They're like, oh, but wait, the, but the picture is smaller. How is the picture smaller? Is Where it, am I? I can see myself. <laughs> is this some sort of window? <laughs> <laughs> but then. Also, I don't see any contradiction in her going and amongst the downtrodden lower classes and finding the best specimens genetically from there. They are the people who have been subjected to the most evolutionary pressure to survive. We know that the aristocracy is just a bunch of inbred genetically weak weasels apologies st james's palace <laughs> follow the chins follow the chins <laughs> exactly <laughs> but it also seems quite superficial it's like that they're it's the, crazy they, superficial. someone does call it like the attack of the supermodels it, they are just really good looking people i think mrs like, goodyflower says it herself is it her oh, yeah. no i think the doctor references i think that's the attack of the supermodels or something or one of the the doctor's crew yeah oh really but i i think miss skilly says says it herself she's been recruiting good looking people yeah so it's not the best like no. it's not genetically the strongest it's just the most attractive she yeah, wants th- to make a really attractive this is like, my point when race. she sees jenny she has had zero conversation yeah. with her she has no idea if she's intelligent no. if she has there's any no particular criteria talents. there's exactly. no like it's you literally just i like the look of you yeah. you will make a great addition yeah yeah that's that's it yeah. that's gross yeah it's like the worst Hugo Drax ever. <laughs> well, that's really saying something. <laughs> I mean, James Bond connection, please. Do you want a James oh. Bond connect us? Why, of course. Mrs. Gillyflower is played by Dame Diana Rigg. Ah, yes. Who is hitherto the only wife, erstwhile, of James Bond. <gasps> that's quite, that is quite an achievement. Yeah. George Lazenby, Honor Majesty's Secret Service... Very quick, tragic end, but yes. Proper Bond girl and everything. Yeah. Ultimate Bond girl, in fact. <laughs> Do you want to know another bit of trivia about her? Yes, please. Mm-hmm. And another actress. Oh. oh this is starting to sound salacious. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's, it. well, it's not, because oh, good. <laughs> her daughter, Ada, is her real daughter. <gasps> oh! No! What? Yeah. Really? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, re- 
I was watching, there was a scene um, where they were both in frame, like really, really tight frame on both their faces. And I was thinking, man, this is good casting. They have identical cheekbones. And now I know why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I don't know if it's, I'm guessing it's probably the only time they've appeared together. Oh. But it may not be. This is what you were going about before we started recording. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him excited about something. <laughs> It's right at the end of the intro on uh, her, uh, D- Diana Riggs, Dame Diana Riggs, sorry. Dame. Um, mm. Wikipedia page. Mm. Um, now you've brought up Ada. Should we talk about Ada? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Does, how, where are you on the scale of having a lot of sympathy for Ada versus really fucking hating Ada? Mostly sympathy for myself. Occasionally hating? I don't know. I hate strong. I Sorry, hating because of what? Because she imprisons the doctor? Because, she, because she goes along with everything? Imprisons the doctor and goes along with everything. And yeah, it's just a generally... And keeps calling him monster, even after he stopped being a monster and is talking to her and she could... Oh, he's, like, he's basically Frankenstein. To yeah. Her. Like, she just doesn't give a fuck who he is. Like, no, no, but I mean, I mean, he is playing Frankenstein, essentially. I... I See that as a massive mirror. Frankenstein at one point he he escapes the castle. Frank, I think the, the 30s film, yeah, Duh. and yep. and he gets taken in by a kindly woman in ex- in a very similar way. He had there's massive blind, shoulders in this one, by the way. Girl, isn't there in Frankenstein? Is there? Yeah, yes, there, there is. is. There you go. That's exactly it. He befriends a little blind girl. Yeah, but there's oh no, she she calls him a monster. She locks him up. There's not. He's yeah. very grateful to her at the end. He's like, oh, you saved my life. You kept me fed. You yeah, but that's nonsense. But that's she's, just... not, she's not kind to him. She no. used him as her she toy. She gives him a bed of straw. She keeps him locked up for his own safety. No, she does not. <laughs> she keeps him locked up so that she won't get caught she not ha- having yeah. dumped his body in the river. Yeah, exactly. She has a plaything. And she has absolutely no problem whatsoever dumping all the other bodies in the river. She gets rid of dead people is what she does for her mother. And she has no qualms about that. Okay, question about that. If you're systematically getting rid of dead people and you don't want to get caught, do you really send her to do this? <laughs> or do you send any number of super muscular butlers who could just pick up a dead body on one shoulder? Yeah, who most yeah. of the time seems to be standing around doing very little. Yeah. How does she get rid of dead bodies? She, I'll tell you what she does. She walks out there with a big sack. Someone walks past her on the street and says, Oh, let me help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> and inadvertently dispose of a body for her. <laughs> Yeah, half the town is guilty of this. They they find the bodies later. That's why it's such an open secret, but nobody investigates. There's one scene with Ada McGillicuddy that I don't really get, and that's when Jenny has just rescued the Doctor, and they're walking down the corridor just as Ada's arriving, and they just keep walking, and Ada does not hear them. She looks over for a moment, like yeah. she turns her head and goes, like, no, I guess not, and then goes like, straight <laughs> in to her like monster pet room. Yeah. Well, there's there's a parallel with that, which is when the Doctor and Co are crouching behind something, whatever, some barrier, and he knocks over a, a wrench or makes a clanking sound, and two of the Behatted League look around, are like, oh, I guess that I guess both of us turned around a, 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 the same imaginary sound that didn't happen, <laughs> so we'll just carry on walking. <laughs> That scene was where the episode completely lost me. Mm. It was everything started feeling like evolution of the Daleks at, at that point. Oh, no. Slash the next Doctor when there's the giant Cyberman. It felt very much like the in, insides of that as well. The Cyber King. Cyber King, sorry. With the exception of the Cyber King. I really liked that episode, though. 
The next Doctor. That, wait, that's what I was trying to think of earlier. I was thinking that might be one where they're trying to just wipe out the world and save a few people inside, are they? Oh, maybe. Is that the same plot? Maybe. I don't remember. I don't remember well enough. And that also is driven by a crazy lady. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Crazy lady. <laughs> <laughs> and also, what's Doctor Who's thing with vats? Have we had a lot of vats? We had a vat in rows to start off with. Like, oh. to go back to zero, zero, 001. Wait, oh. so you mean the nesting consciousness that it's yeah. just like gloopy, gloppy, Gloop plastic in a vat. shit? Gloop yeah. in a vat. And then the real flesh, gloop in a vat. Also true. And yeah. here we see the Doctor being dipped into a huge cauldron of red sauce. And I just feel like Doctor Who has gone back to the well, if you'll pardon the pun, <laughs> a few too many times on the old vat thing. Okay. It's also... I feel like playing the Bond villain trope too often, mm-hmm. where Giddy Flower just tells Doc the entire plan with very little upper sleeve other than a gun, which she doesn't actually pull out onto the Doctor, she pulls it out later. Do you know what, though? I think Diana Rigg carries that with a mad confidence. Yeah. Because when he says, when he says um, if, if this falls into the wrong hands, it could be terrible. And she said, do you know what these are? The wrong hands. And she's so <laughs> gleeful. I, I really love that line. <laughs> Excellent line. Also excellent same scene. Uh, I'm the doctor and you're crazy. I don't even remember that. Wasn't it? Was it, I'm the doctor, you're nuts and I'm going to stop you. That's what it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, there we go. Yeah, yeah sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I knew it was a good line. That was way better. I needed to hear it in Matt Smith's voice. So it's <laughs> back to me. <laughs> Speaking of Bond things, the spinning organ of uh, secret gadgetry. Yeah, is this the organ yeah. that is in the room that they're all being spoken to in? Yeah. I, I vaguely remember there being an or- organ when they were in the church-like slash council room. That's not the same room, I think. I, th- I thought this was the same room where she had dinner with her daughter and Mr. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, because the, the organ, and then it flips around and it's got the, on the other it's side. It's got lots of gadgets and buttons yeah. and yeah. things. Yeah. That's a domestic organ. The domestic. other organ yeah. is... Oh, I see. There's a, there's a, <laughs> the other one is a wild organ. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other one is on a platform or a pulpit or whatever it is yeah. above, you know, mass okay. ranks. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're Correcto mundo. Yeah. So, yeah, you... <laughs> hey you, you take that one to the town one once a week to set it right, and then you've got one in your pocket, which you do every day, and tune that in with the... Yeah, exactly. po- pocket watch a what? reference. A pocket yeah. organ. Oh, I see. Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I have a tremendous grandfather organ at home. <laughs> I thought you were going to say in your pocket. <laughs> no, I'm just pleased to see it. Uh. <laughs> also, the scene before the annoying scene was also annoying. Wait, remind me which annoying yeah, scene? Yeah, wait, which one? <laughs> okay, the one where he knocks over the thing. That is comes directly after where Clara's going... The chimney doctor, and he's going. No, I've got to got to think of something tall and round that something might come out of, and bad things might happen. The chimney doctor. Oh, will will you shush, Clara? I'm trying to think, and I. That was my least I, favorite scene. Yeah, yeah, how can anyone like that scene? Nobody likes that scene. Surely, not not, none of you guys, right? No. No. Good, good, lads. Oh, I felt well, like Liam was about to defend it then, and I was no, about I, to uh, kick uh, him under the table. <laughs> <laughs> conform, Liam, conform. <laughs> I'll try to remember the scene. I remember the culmination of it where she goes, this is the one where she goes, like, oh, there's no smoke coming out of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's the only part of that scene that I remember. She just, I don't think she says chimney for a while. She's just trying to say something. And he's like, no, 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 shut up, Clara. I'm trying to think. And she's like, um, but uh, excuse me, I, I have a voice. I have an opinion. Like, please listen to me. And he just, he just, just keeps constantly talking over but her. But this is a, isn't this a classic thing? Not just in Doctor Who, it's a classic thing in lots of different franchises, but also in Doctor 
Who. But where, annoying every time it happens. Yeah, but the culmination <laughs> is the Doctor then realizing, oh, wait, hang on. This other person who is not me has lots of good ideas. Hmm. Yeah, but he knows that about Clara already. Yeah. But he's yeah. an egocentric ball sack. That, that's the difference. <laughs> no, I, I think the big difference is in this episode, that's about the only thing she says. Yeah, exactly. Because oh. she's not... Good in point, this yeah. episode very much which is probably why I didn't like it as that's much very as true because yeah. it happens quite a few times where his like female companion so Jenny is the first one um, he's about to kill all the gods with the sonic screwdriver and she's like no I've got this didn't like that either which bit but he wheels the sonic yeah, like a I know. weapon yeah and then he's about to do the um, organ slash machine thing yeah. with the screwdriver and Clara's like no I've got this with the chair <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like okay sure sure Clara but she does and then yeah and then it happens again and he, and he doesn't have an answer this time you can't sonic anything and she's like wait here I've got the answer listen to me and it doesn't and it's like constantly his companions are stepping up and solving problems for him and he doesn't ever listen and he hmm. reverts back to the sonic every time it's really annoying I yeah. think the Jenny one though I found annoying for that reason plus the fact that Jenny was never going to win that fight either. Like the best. Well, she did. No, no she, Drax. She, she attacked Drax. Drax shows up. <laughs> no, that was later on. She yeah. attacks two of them, and there's still like ten stood behind, and they leg it. Like that's what they should have done in the first place. Is well. just leg it. <laughs> yeah, it, they perfectly obviously had the clubs and bats and everything they had before. Yeah, but then she wouldn't have had an excuse to rip off her dress and show a really awesome. Well, then she's then, then what's her face? Scarlett Johansson in the Avengers. Yeah, then hide the other dozen around the corner and make it look like she's yeah. won the fight for an instant and then the reinforcements Oh, so have like yeah. a, a Star Wars episode 4 scene where yeah. like Han Solo is running around the corner until he's faced with like 50 stormtroopers and has to turn around and run back. Yeah, because both of those scenes would then make sense in context mm. and follow naturally and not be obviously artificial for television. Exactly. Yeah. Then don't re-release this episode in a special edition where you have even more stormtroopers. <laughs> 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 That's a car don't. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah, I get the feeling that if Mark Gatiss had made the mystery a little cleverer, if it had been maybe a Moffat-level clever mystery, then the Doctor could have got halfway towards it and a companion could have taken him the rest of the way. But yeah. it was just making one dumb realisation yeah. and the whole scene is labouring to do it. It was really my least favourite scene and I wrote, stop talking over Clara, you arrogant bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there are, and there then are, I wrote minus one next to it. There are better, more attractive ways for the Doctor to be the arrogant bastard. We, yeah, we want. exactly. Because this this is literally what we have seen of. I think it was Pertwee that I remember the most doing this in like 1974. Exactly. Yeah. Like, come on, come on. <laughs> you can do better than this. Yeah, not much has changed apparently. Apparently, the other thing I didn't like the Doctor doing in this episode—the fifth elephant in the room. <laughs> The fifth elephant. That was meant to sound like the fifth element, but it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you better just get what wait, was in wait. my head. Then. Okay, parody poster. We gotta make a parody poster. <laughs> nice. Terry Pratchett got this twenty years ago. Oh, oh sorry. Of course Damn he did. Damn He's it. a genius. <laughs> um, the thing I didn't like about the Doctor was like I get the Gilly Flower was the villain, but she falls over the railing, and he just he watches her kind of with a half winced expression falling to her death and then says ouch like, <laughs> just I, say ouch I kind of thought Harsh. he was gonna the way he was looking I thought he was gonna throw out a horrible Bond-esque joke yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh quick quick everyone think of a one liner think of a one liner <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you took one step too far. Oh, hey. there we go. <laughs> that's that's why I was expecting. At least it was just out. It wasn't that, but that was a bit. She hits a few railings on the way down, by the way. Like, she bounces. <laughs> she yeah. does not go splat. Well, I think that's why she doesn't go splat, because she's still alive at the end of it. That's true. Briefly. Briefly. What happens, what happens to the daughter? She just gets off scot-free, even though she's been an accomplice. Yeah, the doctor's yeah. like, y- you put me in a cupboard, so go off and have a lovely life. Yeah. Not okay. She she's is an accomplice and, to murder. She's going to go and live her best life. She's like, I'm going to go and um, be a, I don't know. Yeah, but Leon, that's back when she was brainwashed, believing all that backward nonsense. So, you know, you, you can't it's, you can't hold her accountable for any of that. Because she thought she was going to be saved. She was going to end up in paradise. It doesn't matter what you do to these bozos, because they're all doomed anyway. But, <laughs> that's not okay. I don't like that we don't get to see what happens to her and that justice is not served in that regard. I also don't, no. I feel like I, we're missing everyone waking up we have had a line that says yeah. like oh where's my friend i haven't seen my friend in ages that's like setting up a reunion between abigail and that friend who got introduced oh, but yeah, we crap. never meet because yeah. we only see clara Why? waking up because she goes in the cupboard we don't yeah. know what happens to everybody yeah. else so we should have had a scene exactly like right at the end where the doctor and, and clara they get in the tardis they zoom off and then vastra jenny whoever else they're at the front gates and yeah. people are just sort of... The spell is broken. Exactly. And they're yeah. kind of maybe in a daze and they're just yeah. like, oh, how long have we been? We don't really know what happened. Can someone tell us what happened? And then Abigail sees her friend yeah. and it clicks for us and boom, done. And then Ada, Ada can redeem herself because she can like take them all under a wing and say, I will help you back into the... I don't know. Yeah, even though I feel like she is beyond redemption at this point. Yeah, me too. Am I the only one? This was a vat of poison! There's a fucking vat of poison in there! Who's gonna dispose of it? It was the most (laughs) dangerous vat of poison in the world! (laughs) There were dinosaurs that were afraid of this fucking poison! That's that's going in the vault. (laughs) He's literally gone red. That part (laughs) is taken care of. No! Only the (laughs) tiny bottle of poison, not the huge human size that can fit eight people in it, but... They concentrated. They boiled it down. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very different colour, actually. Also, the, the coroner even has poison. He has a bottle yeah, of does. that poison. Yeah. Yes, he does. Who he's going to sell to the highest bidder. <laughs> 100%. Um, speaking of the coroner. Oh. Ooh, here we go. Uh, my question is, how many of you were picturing the coroner eating a bowl of mashed potatoes over his bodies? Yeah, there's a reference to his mash. What was that? The line says, hell, hell fire, that's put me right off me mash. <laughs> <laughs> hands up, hands up. Who saw mashed potatoes? I, I definitely mashed potatoes, but I didn't I would, know if he was well, eating it over what, the course. What else is it? Mashed Swede, mashed turnip? I would, like you, I would just like to tell you that in Yorkshire, a mash is a brew and he had a cup of tea. What? Yes. Really? Oh. Yes. <laughs> you heard it here first, podcast fans. <laughs> Yeah. Who back when? The only podcast that brings you Yorkshire <laughs> slang. <laughs> I was thinking, I, be, I was like, I bet nobody else understands this. <laughs> All I need is Jodie Whittaker to say that once, and millions of people will be educated. Exactly. But I didn't even wait, know. Wait. It's not. A, it's not. Millions like a, of people just got educated. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If not billions. <laughs> but it's not. It's not like a modern. Like yeah, we a few thousand. We maybe. don't yeah. use it anymore. A few dozen, maybe. <laughs> 
but my uh, my grandma would say mash and but i remember her saying it in reference to she used to pop around to the neighbors but you'd always take your own mash and i really pictured her with a bowl of mashed potatoes <laughs> <laughs> they'd just be like why grandma <laughs> this seems unnecessary and then realize that grandma, it might- <laughs> this seems unnecessary <laughs> you take your own brew around you don't assume someone's gonna give you a cup of tea you just make your own cup and then take it around to the neighbors that's oh yeah mm. in the back streets of sheffield in the back streets of oxford my friend who used to live around the corner of the pub would take his mug round to the pub and they would put whiskey in it for him <laughs> oh. <laughs> you wouldn't take your own whiskey round <laughs> no <laughs> It's an empty cup. That's awesome. <laughs> Was it? Did you not like their glasses or something? Why get it dirty? <laughs> True. <laughs> but dialing back, am I genuinely the only one that feels like Ada had like the deck stacked against her? Like she, she's not really responsible for her actions. She's been brainwashed. She's been manipulated, abused. She needs some kind of therapy to to come out of whatever she's gone through her mum has like john merricked her in church like she's behind a curtain and then unveiled as like (laughs) oh look at my freak daughter with scars on her face and everyone's like oh shock oh my goodness oh my god yeah i'd forgotten that That, that's a a dreadful scene by my late husband he said he'd be here half an hour ago (laughs) 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 i do remember that scene though and being like they are really weird scars to be from my husband beat her up when when he was drunk or something i I do have sympathy for her but i just feel like sympathy only stretches so far like she doesn't show any remorse for all these bodies it's just run-of-the-mill it's just a job and she's very happy to reap the rewards from it she's really looking forward to going to paradise and living eternal life after everybody else has died like there's no moral quandary i think if you'd just seen a, t- a little bit of of her, like inner workings of her then i would have more sympathy for her but it just seems completely lacking i don't know i, d- I just felt like we didn't need it because what what we've seen is that her mother is sadistic and cruel and that's what she's been brought up knowing she she has no concept of morals probably because mm. her mother has done horrific things to her okay red row rewrite not strax just shoots the the mum so that she falls down and like bounces back and forth in in terrible agony <laughs> i i that's gonna smart since Ada at this point is beyond redemption, they could have just gone for the stereotypical, okay, in order to redeem herself, she clearly cannot go on and live a happy life, you know, happy, happily ever after, but she can sacrifice herself, thus redeeming herself for good. Bleh. So she oh, could just... On. Well, she she could, like, maybe take more of the poison on her, or she could grab the mum and tear them both down the banister, or she could, like, take what's his face mr sweet and in doing so get too much of mr sweet's gross red gloop in her so that then that kills her but she saves the day because while she's violently just beating him to a pulp she manages to avoid any of his stuff there's there's no splatter yeah but um, but if if let's say mr sweet is actually controlling lady mcgillicuddy if he's actually doing that the mum isn't even to blame it is all mr sweets then the daughter 
could save the mum and the day by grabbing a hold of Mr. Sweets and in the process maybe fall off the banister. And the mum, having been brainwashed herself, is actually innocent. Maybe she doesn't even remember what happened or she remembers it and it's just like, okay, I'm now going to go and have nightmares for the rest of my life if that's okay with the rest of you because I've been killing people against my own will. And the daughter is now dead because she was doing that whilst completely without being under the influence of red poison. I feel like the whole Mr. Sweet thing, like, it's just a lead at the end of the day. Like, doctors just like, oh, we'll go and drop him off on, like, take him back to where he came from and leave him there and he'll just live out his days and it'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be one like, of millions in his natural habitat. He's not like a baddie. He's not like, he's not an intelligent being that's controlling this. It's just it's in his nature and so when she goes and stomps him to death and kills him she's just killing an animal like a puppy like no a puppy not a, not a puppy <laughs> she's well, I mean, the way Jim was talking slug. about her earlier yeah, a, a him, puppy that, that secretes a dreadful brainwashing like mass murdering poison <laughs> yeah <laughs> But it's just doing what comes naturally to it. It's not. There's no malice there. There's no thought. It's just a leech that's latched onto a person, yeah. and that person is, happens to be a psychopath who has done horrific things. But like, I don't believe that, that he's controlling her. There's no, there's been nothing in the episode. no. But I would like to see more no, control on the part of Miss Sweet. She she names the place Sweetville. Yeah. Like she names it after. It would this be much thing. more interesting if that if he had been controlling. Exactly. Her. Yeah. But then are we supposed to feel sorry for? dear old Mrs. McGillicuddy at the end and be like, oh, what a tragedy that was. Okay, you know what? Because okay. I really enjoyed the fact that she was batshit crazy okay. all by yeah. herself. You know what? Yeah. Okay. I you know what? I, no, no, I, I like it. This I moment. agree, I agree. You know, I strike what I said before. I love that <laughs> bit as well, but I want him to also, I want him to be the authority here and may, as in this teeny tiny thing that is inconspicuous, that is so tiny and like you would never think that it is more powerful than someone who is as tall as a human being, that sort of thing. <laughs> like, I mean, Because they're so tall. <laughs> well, I mean, compared to this teeny tiny whatever like regardless th this cute little red monster is actually the great intelligence quote unquote or is at least on par with her like those two are like, fuck it make you're gonna get the great intelligence a couple of episodes from now if, if you got these two episodes out of three you'd be like oh we're two make the two yeah. equals make them equals McGillicuddy and Sweet they are equals in this and, and she has some weird psychological PTSD backstory that leads her to just want want this collaboration and he is teeny tiny and very fragile and needs a biped to carry him around and possibly like give him a teat every now and then. Dude, I think this is a, a fine alternative but I don't think you're writing a better episode. I think you're writing an equally bad episode. I think because it, it did make me think actually of the great intelligence and then when it ended and he's not an intelligent thing it is just a leech on the floor just crawling slowly away. I was quite pleased because it would I think it just would have been a bit done if like, how long is he supposed to have been with her? Is it like... Is but this species is millions and millions of years old, right? He is not millions and millions of years old. How did but he get well, the doctor here. said maybe it's evolved, but he doesn't said he didn't say it has evolved. Mm. Anyway, can I just say just one point because I need to counteract the fucking dreadful comment of yours. <laughs> uh, all of this is in aid of having Ada not just walk away scot free. I want something else to add to the the dynamic of th of that family. I want that gross 
dreadful family to yeah sorry okay fine i've said my whatever sorry, my hands in the air. sorry sorry um, what if it's not an in great like intelligence but what if it's just like psychopathic like a dr- like she's in like a drug fueled environment like he's pumping something into her and it's giving her these like but then it's the same thing then she's under the influence of it yeah, right? yeah, like, but it's a question it's not, of degrees of how much is she guilty by herself or not exactly and that's so this well, how, are you, gonna make, how are you gonna make kids what? take any moral away from that well, what moral well, I think the moral that I think the moral Mark Gatiss is setting up here to come back to the cult angle yet again, and I promise I'm not going to become this guy on the podcast. <laughs> is that you oh, promised right, to you. once she's been <laughs> once she's been de-brainwashed, she should get away scot free, and she is a new person ready to live a life outside wait, wait, of sorry, who, who? slash religion. Sorry, who? Ada. 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 Yeah, and so you can't hold any of the previous bullshit against her because she is an entirely a new woman released from under the influence of a of a terrible blinding thing. Excuse the parallel, although yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so th- that's what he's. Yeah. Okay, how's this for a rewrite? Then have Ada be the brains behind the operation, and we don't find out until the very end. <laughs> no, what, no, she, you're she going too far. She starts walking now. like she's not blind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have a usual suspect situation at the end. Yeah, yeah. No, but seriously, like she knew all, yeah, all, all along. And she is sweeping, and then it's and then eventually it just becomes a cane yeah, walking she, along, <laughs> tipping things. <laughs> she passes, around in her. She sacrifices her mum. And she, the only reason she she kills Mr. Sweet is to get rid of the the last bit of evidence, and possibly like he could have borne witness to her involvement. But like she is involved to the hilt, and then we have a sequel episode later on where she's like a fucking kingpin in Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> she's running like the Crimson Gang, whatever the the the, the, the Bloods, the Crimson the Bloods. Like so, she's the Reds, whatever. So, like, <laughs> Okay, fine, sorry. I much prefer it this way around. Now that we've explored all areas, she's better not to be influenced by something else or controlled by something else because it does make her a great character. So some of us can take that she was manipulated from a young age and is completely innocent and other people can take no she did these really cruel heartless things to benefit herself and you can read her anywhere along the scale in between. And it, yeah, if you put something else in that controlled her, that would all just disappear and she would just be an innocent brainwashed person. And it's much more interesting that she's not. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree it's more interesting if she's not brainwashed, but I'm now really thinking it would be great if she was the one brainwashing other people. <laughs> <laughs> no, but because then she's a 100% she's got another, She's got a leech on her as well and no one ever no. noticed it. She doesn't yeah, need to be Mrs. a baddie. Sweet. She can be a baddie or a goodie depending on your perspective. How can she be a good... Wait, no. Wait, Jim th- thinks she's a goodie. I don't, well, not necessarily a goodie, but I, just, I feel like you can't... She's been like dumping bodies in the river. How is she a goodie? Because she's been fucking brainwashed and her mum has been horrible to it. Like, she has not got the normal perspective that we have on, on life. She wasn't brought up. She wasn't brought up in a world with morals. Like you don't, you don't look at um, Mowgli when he's raised by wolves and is a bit feral, going, "Oh, he's a bad lad." <laughs> <laughs> Better lock him up for the rest of his life. No, like, that's true. That, that what did Mowgli do to you? But I, I don't I, know. I feel like best case scenario uh, at the end of or after the end of this episode, she should be locked up in a in a hospital for the but criminally insane. No, she think, should not be the free. The doctor should show the compassion that he's already shown in this episode and should have a moment with her of trying to reason like why yeah 
her life has been so fucked up and she say, needs to get some rehabilitation. Do- the doctor completely agrees with Jim. The doctor has comp- <laughs> so much sympathy with her. He never once says that she's a bad person. You locked me up. He says, what a wonderful person. You saved my life. He is not a, she's not a bad person for locking him up. She is a bad person for knowingly taking corpses across yeah, town and kn- dumping but them. But he knows all that and he is in <laughs> yeah. her corner. He I'm thinks lock- she's a good girl. And the yeah. locking up thing is bad. Like, yeah. Well, she's keeping him. It could him. be worse though because he he is basically saying thank you for not making me your Frankenstein sex toy <laughs> for the entirety of my stay okay retro rewrites suggestion number two <laughs> no no <laughs> Okay, can, can we move on to other points here? Yes, okay. I have one other point in the same vein. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, go for it. No, I just had a minor revelation. I I think what Gatiss was trying to do was subvert the idea of a leech. So the the fact that Mr. Sweet is there <gasps> leeching off blah, blah, blah. Uh, Mrs. Gillyflower. Gillyflower. McGillycuddy. But actually, she's the one that's leeching off him. He's like. feeding off her, and it's... and it's. Uh, like, she's getting more out of the relationship than he is, really. Yeah. Holy moly, mind blown. Ooh. I like it. I, I'm not giving it extra points or anything, because I think it's stupid, but... Okay. <laughs> I, I, I feel like that's what Gaitis was going for. Sure. <laughs> Entirely different notes. Okay. No, no, come back. No, <laughs> no go on, go on. All right, so starting off easy, there's a line in this episode saying the doc was getting a gobby Australian to Heathrow Airport at one point. This is a reference to a classic <gasps> Who companion. No way! Yes, a companion of the... Plus uh, one. Uh, of the fourth <laughs> and fifth Doctor, in fact. Uh, Tegan Jovanka. I'm going to read this off Google. <laughs> uh, Tegan Jovanka is a fictional character played by Janet Fielding in the long-running British science fiction television series Doctor Who. Doctor Who? What? <laughs> <laughs> An Australian airline stewardess and a native of Brisbane who was a companion of the fourth and fifth doctors. She was a regular in the program from 1981 to 1984. Oh, we got a while to get to heaven. A little while, yeah. I'm not giving it an extra point, actually. It's a really easy thing to make a reference back in that way. I mean, anyone could do it. They have, at this point, very nearly 50 years worth of material to refer to. They can anything and it will link to something. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, on that note, I mean, this isn't a reference per se, but this is called the Crimson Horror, and we have had the Green Death. It's called the Crimson Horror. (laughs) Oh, sorry, that's, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that was was the worst Yorkshire accent that anyone's done tonight. Wait, worse than mine? I did. All of the Yorkshire accents really sounded like me when I try to do a Yorkshire accent. That's too meta for me to understand. <laughs> because my accent is Yorkshire because that's where I'm from. Yeah, got that far. And then when I try and do a Yorkshire accent, it just sounds really over the top and a bit fake. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that no was, arguments. That was my whole point. Not as bad as the doctor, surely. <laughs> No. The doctors were shocked. Also, it did bother me that it was just Yorkshire, 1893. Yeah. Like, Yorkshire's a really a fucking big place. big place. Like, a really fucking big place. For people who don't know Yorkshire, a few years ago, we drove from, we were in West Yorkshire. Not even North Yorkshire, West. West Yorkshire. <laughs> um, not even North Yorkshire. And we drove down to Berkshire for a party, uh-huh. which took about, I think it was like... Four hours, maybe? Uh, listeners across the pond, I hope you're taking notes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we crossed, in that time, we crossed 11 counties. Okay. In two hours, <laughs> we crossed Yorkshire. Okay, so is this one of those, like, so a train leaves the train station in, in Paddington <laughs> going west at four o'clock? <laughs> Just to give you 
a scale as how big Yorkshire is on a scale. Two hours. Half of our journey was Yorkshire, and then the next ten counties were in the other half. Yeah. So in that case, they could very clearly have had one of these estates, in fact, in one corner of Yorkshire, and no one would ever have known. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I take back true. my previous yeah. comment. Then. <laughs> the what did you think Yorkshire was? Like a little village? No, no, that's not. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and the supplementary point to Marie's is that North Yorkshire is actually about two thirds of Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah, we weren't we weren't even in North Yorkshire. Like it would probably take you like five hours to drive through Yorkshire. This whole conversation it's is huge. cut. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no, no, the conversation stays in the picture. But this whole conversation for people who are desperately on au fait with Yorkshire is <laughs> just like uh, what? what? <laughs> or people living in Australia, are like five hours. That's what I do to get to the next town. Oh. <laughs> I know when when English people complain about how far away things are, I feel like the rest of the world laughs at us. <laughs> But Yorkshire's really big. That's That was just my take-home point. Rad. <laughs> okay, different point again. We got a comment on Twitter yesterday. Yesterday, I think. We got a comment from Andy Smith. Hello, Andy. Hey, uh, Andy. Thank you for tuning in. Andy says that he has a pet theory. Look past all the gurning and observe Matt Smith's eyes. I see a bored actor actively deciding it's time to quit Doctor Who. Oh, Do you agree? Oh. I feel like by this point he would have already decided. I'm sure he had, yeah. Yeah. He would have known. This is him. He's handling his notice. He's working out the rest of the year, but his heart's not in it anymore. When but did you feel that his heart was not in it? Well, when does he start other projects? Because he's literally not in this for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very <laughs> that's true. true. It's very light on Clara and the Doctor. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know when this was actually produced, when it was shot. But if we just go by airing order, the next episode is, is Super Matt Smith heavy. I mean, it's getting Super Matt Smith heavy the closer to the 50th we get, right? From here on in. Not this episode. This is the... The one he, he could have done like a two-week stint on something and it just brushed the end of. That's true. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's like he's auditioning for Terminator Genesis at this point. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but even if his eyes are a bit glassy and dead, we don't know that he just didn't have a big night the night before. <laughs> Also, also possible, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to mean that he's actively seeking to get out the role. I think it might just be a temporal coincidence. Okay. Sound. All right. Well, now you got our 10 pence worth, Andy. I hope you're pleased. <laughs> guineas worth. <laughs> okay. We haven't addressed the ending of this episode at all. Marie has both hands up. Yes, please. Take it, it was, away, Marie. It was the only thing that has a plus one in my column. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Oh, explain, explain. It's, no, right right at the ending, when Doc says, you're the boss, and Clara goes, have I? And then she is the boss, and then she goes to the future, mm-hmm. and all her kids are there, and they're like, hey, nanny, we saw you here and here and here. And she's like, yeah, I'm the boss. And I liked it. Champs? I like the little ending, yeah. Okay. Well, I like it in what we've seen. I feel like I'm not going to like it because it's not fully explored. Because that's the thing. Well, no, it, it is explored, it in is the next explored episode. because it's what it's Those building kids. up to is getting the kids in the next episode, which I do not approve of children in television. Thank um, you. Yes. Hey, uh, oh yeah, here's my friend who agrees with me. <laughs> <laughs> but I like children in television, you wouldn't have woof at all. Sorry, carry on. All <laughs> Bernard's watch. Anyway, um, those are shows you watch as a child. It's fine. Yeah, in it that doesn't count. The girl yeah. from tomorrow. Totally. Wouldn't you like find a photo of your nanny in a in a like book at school and be like, "Hey, that's you. Is that you?" I, I have I have so many problems with this ending, and I hate this ending. No. 
Okay, what? wait. Okay, number one, how did these kids find all of these pictures of Clara? At st- school. At school. Also, pictures from different countries, from different times. Why hello. would they have done this? History projects. Google, Google image, you can put an image of a person in and Google will scour the internet for also images of that person. In that case, Google would just have a find a time traveler button and you click this. Yeah, and it like, does. It's got Nicolas Cage's on there. <laughs> Keanu Reeves is on there. There's loads of famous time travellers. You just need to click the Google button. When did Nicolas Cage travel in time? There's one from like 18-something and it's spot on Nicolas Cage, I promise you. Holy moly. I promise you. Google it. Okay, I'm going to do that. Okay. Yeah, every time Daniel Radcliffe goes on the Graham Norton show, it's like, here's some more Daniel Radcliffe's we found throughout history. Most of them are old women. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor Daniel. Whatever this technology is, I don't feel like it was around at the time of this episode. It seems it seems really odd. I don't feel like they went out and just did a very simple Google search. It seems as though they did detective work in order yeah. to find her across history. Well, because and why would they have done so? Because he said the first photo he found in a book at school. So he comes across this picture and he's like, holy fuck, that's my nanny. Yeah. And then they start talking to each other. Yeah. And they're like, wow, do you think she's a time traveler? Let's scour old photos. Yeah, how many photos are there? What are old? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, how long could it take to go through them all? Like an afternoon? I mean, there are two of us. Maybe we could do it in an hour or two. (laughs) The problem I had with that one is when um, they show her the photo from Victorian London and she's like, I wasn't in Victorian London. I was in Victorian Yorkshire. And it's like, Clara, have you assumed that you've stopped traveling now or do you not know how time travel works like oh that's true yeah. might, it's clever you might be going on true. to the next adventure with Doctor might take you back to Victoria London that, oh I like that well. that's a really nice yeah. idea I, I feel like Clara is intelligent enough she could have been like Ooh, I haven't been there yet, I haven't I been been there there yet. yet. exactly yeah. like you know that that's coming now yeah. and then after a while when she hasn't been to Victoria London she'd be like Doctor why aren't we going to London I've seen a photo of me in Victoria London yeah yeah. That would have been good. Yeah, yeah and good. then the conversation yeah. ensuing with, with Smith skating on thin ice exactly, would have been good. Exactly, exactly. What's the other... Th- so we see her on the submarine. What's the other one? Submarine, the hide. She's in the ghost house. Oh, the ghost yeah, house. Yeah, which seems to be um, the guy taking a selfie in the mirror with his giant camera. Because otherwise, who else is taking that picture? <laughs> I don't know. I I didn't really There's think about it. There's a cast of four in that episode, <laughs> is what I'm the, saying. The Doctor well, takes a whole bunch of pictures. Maybe after she's come back from the other world, she could stop by and take photos. Click. That's, uh, that's my, my impression of a camera. <laughs> but, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, well, the time traveler could yeah. have taken it. Yeah. I think your camera's drunk. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I, I feel like we see their entirety in that episode of like entering that that house and leaving that house i don't i don't remember the actual photo it's what what is the photo of is it just her in the house what's the thing with the mirror you said someone's holding a camera at what what point do you stop in the middle of a ghost story and everyone's really freaked out and at what point do you stop and take a selfie uh, the doctor takes a selfie in the episode. Oh, is that the selfie? As in, he takes a <laughs> selfie uh, like just of himself. Clara's oh. not in frame. He takes a picture of himself, see, and you see the ghost behind him. But wouldn't that have been really fucking clever if he had taken the selfie with all of them in it, and then that exact shot had turned up later? Well, no, it would have been really fucking stupid because it got out into the public domain, and now it's how Clara is going to realise that she's the heart of a mystery, and she's going to cause bother for him. She Either way, I know think she's the heart of the mystery. She, she does knows now. She was there. I think this ending she is utter shit. And oh, sorry, go ahead. 
What is it? She shouldn't think she's half a mystery. She should just think that she's been uncovered as a time traveller. Yeah. She shouldn't be questioning oh, the London photo. Yeah. No, she shouldn't. No, I mean, yeah, that's, that's just true. sitting that's in front of a brick wall, isn't it? Essentially. So it's like, those aren't Yorkshire bricks. I can't have been there. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That did really bother me. <laughs> it's like, just be- mm. oh. I think it would have been more powerful if the kids had only had a school book. They didn't go looking for this. They had yeah. a school book and there was one, one photo. photo. Yeah. I don't want four or five photos. I want one photo. And it is in print in their bloody book. And it just came to them by happenstance. Yeah. And it's that would a big, have been better, actually. Yeah. yeah, and it's like incontrovertible evidence. This is absolutely Clara. Yeah. And even though she might have a chance to dispute it, her surprise at seeing herself there, maybe this is the time where she goes, oh, but I haven't... Maybe it's this is her it's in Victorian London. London. Exactly. Yeah. The fact that she says that, that's what proves the point she to goes, the kids. Yeah, she does the exact line. I wasn't in Victorian London. Um, exactly. I was in Victorian exactly. Yorkshire. Do and they that. go, aha, we've got you. Yeah, and, you were a time traveller. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And that way, it's not that the kids are super clever detectives. Because yeah. they're kids and they're dumb. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, he's not. I just want to be controversial. <laughs> Either way, I think he's I th- shaking his head. <laughs> Kids are dumb. <laughs> I think that would have been more effective. Anyway, I think I, w- I agree. I would have bought it. If- a point. <laughs> I would have bought it if there was Mind reference face. to Clara being gone for a while or like a passage of time having happened. Yeah. Because and they the were way- worried about her and they were looking for her. Well, it doesn't even have to be that. It just has to be that she's she's been home on and off a little bit. But we have not had, as far as I'm aware, we've not had her go home since she left in the Bells of St. John. Yeah, how long a time has passed so, for her, though? Well, the, the fact that the kids aren't reacting to her in any weird way would suggest that no time has passed or yeah. very little time has passed, yeah. which makes it weird that they've uncovered all of this in presumably like less than a week. Hours, or, so, yeah. 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 At the most, yeah, a few days. Maybe she had a little bit of a holiday booked. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they should approach her going, so, have a nice holiday, did you? Exactly. Like, not, I think not we know so where ham, you've been. Not yes. so ham-fisted. I have you know, little... in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been away, but you haven't got a tan. What's up with that? <laughs> it's almost as though you've been in some sort of metal enclosure underwater. <laughs> yeah. You can see it. There's the slight pattern of bloodshot in your eyes. Mm. Yeah, speaks of internal artificial pressure. Yeah. There's something Soviet about. Uh, no, okay. <laughs> and now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Drew, do you want to take us away? Sure, I've written a rating. Mm-hmm. So this is an episode of two halves. The first half is a mystery caper of timey-wimey Sherlockian offcuts that had me really pulling for it for a while. There was nice fast-forwarding through a lot of the usual stuff that usually takes about 10 or 15 minutes to just trudge through with the old timey film flashback sequence and the Doctor flicks between scene and scene. And I thought that it was part of how the episode was keeping us off balance, which is picked up again later with Ada when, rather than just turning over an uncomplicated new leaf and being like, oh yes, I'm a good little girl now, she kills Mr. Sweet in a furious rage and she doesn't forgive her mum and she's still a person. And I thought that Mark Gatiss was bringing something new to the table. But then the denouement is a kaleidoscopic regurgitation of about 20 different New Who endings where a chair and a fall down the stairs are enough to dispatch one of the craziest forces of malevolence the show has seen outside of the Master and Davros, just when Diana Rigg, Dame Diana Rigg, was building up a real head of steam. And I wanted to see more of that. I did think the New Eden judgment apocalypse shtick went a bit far, insofar as when she offered a way out, 
and it's sweet Phil. There was nobody in the congregation because that's blatantly what they were representing, whether it was secular or religious. Nobody who said, uh, isn't Jesus the way out? And that scene only works if you're steamrolling the inconvenient specifics of a religion into the concept of cults and cherry-picking what works. But on the whole, I thought the episode was decently done. We saw glimpses of Jenny beyond the templates, which I've been wanting for a while, although I wish she'd been given even more to do, and they didn't get the scene together at the end where they're letting everybody out of the factory and they share a moment because that's when that could have happened. I think Vastra, on the other hand, had very little role after she left London. I mean, and even then, she only made the guy faint with the old veil trick, which we've seen before, and she was an eyewitness to the leech. Still, if the last 15 minutes had been different, I'd have said high threes for this, and I came into tonight, I was going to give it a 3.1, but I'm going to have to go with a 2.7, sure. Oh, 2.7! Oh, oh, no. I was saying 2.5. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no. 2.7, 2.5, 2.7. 2.7. Don't yeah. be swayed by Jim and his randomly holding up fingers. <laughs> no, no. I, there were things to like about this episode, and it was florid in places and atmospheric, that old word, in others. So, yeah, 2.7. All right. I don't want to follow that. Oh, I guess that's me then. <laughs> Dave Dunn, the universal, put their fingers on my nose. Hey, Jim. Hello, Jim. What did you think of this episode, Jim? I didn't come in on a 3.1 at the start of this. Did you not? No, I didn't. I... Shock. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> I think I was all, always erring on the side of negative, but around the kind of middling ground. That's, that's where I was feeling when I was watching this episode. I like the Vaster and Co. Patanastagan. But I'm, I am a little bit bored of Victorian England in general. Okay, it's Yorkshire, but it's still kind of Victorian times. Yorkshire? Yorkshire. <laughs> Yorkshire, you know Yorkshire. <laughs> Heard of it. <laughs> so it, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword. Like I, I do like that they, they're getting more airtime. They, for the most part, were kind of like true to form. Strax was funny for the most part when he was on screen. We talked about the Tom Tom thing, not kind of working and taking some of his screen time away into a negative zone. Bastia, I think Drew's right, actually, isn't actually a massive part of this. Although, like I said, it kind of feels like it could have been her show because everything's sort of revolving around her crew for the most part and the Doctor's kind of sidelined a bit. But she, yeah, she's not actually shown to her fullest, but Jenny is on the other hand, so that's good. I think the whole kind of storyline with Gillyflower is a bit weird that she's into having super people, but then she's recruiting the downtrodden. There's, I hadn't really picked up on the weird kind of religious cult aspect crossover thing. Ah, that's my thing. Don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can rely on you to pick that up, Joe, so I don't have to. <laughs> but I, I do totally get what you get where you're coming from, actually. And I, I think it's a fair point to have at this and a negative point to have at this as well. And I'm going to take that as well. As, if you know what? I'm going to drop a point off. <gasps> half a point off. As, uh, not a half point. A decimal point off. <laughs> from a whole point to a decimal point. I'm going to have to reconfigure oh, the whole website. mouse. 2.05. <laughs> oh, no. In a similar kind of vein as the Vastra crew being, like, taking the show, the Doctor and Clara aren't really a massive part of this. Clara, in particular, is barely doing anything. And we brush on the fact that one of her biggest scenes is the doctor not listening to her which is a trope that we had in the 70s fucking classics why are we seeing this in 2013 like it's it's tired it's boring <laughs> and it's offensive like let's just do something a little bit different this is gatus this is like one of the showrunner writers like the most important 
person next to Moffat as they think of themselves anyway. No, whether we grant him that, I'm not sure. But and it's it's all just a bit shit. Like it's just <laughs> <laughs> the doc is mostly shit as well. It's like he's he's occasionally like doing some kind of uncovering of things but for the most part he's he's being someone who's been somehow he's been duped we didn't even talk about the fact that he's the one that's been captured like and this is the doctor like how has he let himself get into this situation it's barely brushed against the fact that like it's it's another set of people that have to rescue him he's very fortunate he's in the time frame that the paternastra crew existing Mm. Because there might not have been anyone to rescue him otherwise. That's you know, that's very true. If mm. if this had happened in 2017, who would have come to his rescue? Exactly. Like he would be fucked. Then it would have torched wooded it, or so... yeah, something like that. Mm. Elton from Love Elton. Monsters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he would sure. be standing in line for an ELO concert. <laughs> like like hmm, something smells red. <laughs> but. My biggest beef, I can't let go of. Your biggest what, sorry? Which which elephant is this? (laughs) Which one of the elephants? (laughs) It's the first one I mentioned. I think it's the first one I mentioned anyway. They built a fucking rocket! In 1893! Have they just turned a sewer on end? There's no explanation. Like, I didn't even pick up on the fact that she was an engineer. I, I heard chemist. I heard, I heard like, she was an amazing Who? chemist, uh, Mrs. Guineaflower. Like, this, oh. this is how she's, like, so. made use of the poison. Like, I can kind of buy yeah. that. Like, you can make use of some substance that's poisonous. You can turn it into a weaponous thing because you understand chemistry. You don't build a fucking rocket that can <laughs> pull away from Earth's gravity and somehow with the explosive force contained that it doesn't evaporate anyone who's on the the staircase a meter away from it our victorian engineering was amazing wasn't it apparently yeah <laughs> no fuck it i'm just going lower it's going lower <laughs> okay all right so as i started talking it was a 2.1 i brought it down to 1.9 all right <laughs> <laughs> so when i said 2.05 i was right you are yes <laughs> <laughs> You or me? All right. I'm ready for this. I'm just going to list things in the order that they came to me. Okay. The picture in the eye is different from the picture that we see later on. Mm-hmm. Minus one point. Um, I really fucking hate... Wait, can I just... Stop? We're so starting harsh. on minus one. That is so no, harsh. we've started on five. Five is the maximum. Oh, okay. okay. We're coming down. This is okay. fucking long racing. The uh, sat-nav... Tom Tom mm-hmm. really fucking hated that scene minus one. Um, <laughs> minus two. Did not. It was not okay that the doc keeps sexualizing Jenny minus one. Please stop talking over Clara, you arrogant bastard. Minus one. <laughs> I mean, it sounds bad, but we're still four point six at this point. <laughs> These are whole points, Drew. So it's one. Yeah, we're on one. <laughs> Oh, I really hate Ada. She was happy to throw away the rejects when she thought she was going to be saved. Minus one. That's it. We're on zero. You can stop there. (laughs) Wait. Wait. Oh, there's more. You're the boss. Am I? I really liked the ending. Plus one. Oh, yeah. Switched in the tail. Nice. Clara (laughs) saved it. Although, we then, we talked about it and kids are dumb. Minus one. (laughs) (laughs) 
Not enough Clara, minus one. Oh, dear. Yeah. I see Guy Fainting, minus one. I agree with that. Guy Fainting. This I wrote when you were writing your review. Yeah, Guy Fainting, minus one. It's not that it's necessarily a bad thing that he's fainting, but it's just so underwhelming every time he does. I know. There's so many of them, and it's just pathetic. I mean, the least he could do would be to put a nice, thick felt hat on the back of his head, because he must know it's coming after a certain point. It's supposed to be a, like, it's a twist, because in that period, women were known to faint, and there was the whole like ooh do a swoon thing for um abigail abigail did her swoon and so it was like men are swooning as well it's not I don't know, maybe it was supposed to be a, a feminist statement but no it was just a man it just kept fainting at it was nothing just unrealistic what, yeah. what are the Very... reasons he faints I, I made a note of this as well uh, i don't mean to interrupt you but i've so i've written he faints when he sees madame vastra i get yes. that he sees an alien like an he sees a non-human intelligent being yeah yeah he faints when he sees Strax. Yeah. I get that. Again, he sees an alien, right? That's like You've seen one recently. Can you not maybe can think there might be another one? A different alien. Different. Okay. I, I feel like that's okay. Okay, fair. Just, okay. just about We'll it. give him yeah. the two. And then he faints when he sees the TARDIS dematerialize. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I didn't get. That's kind of bullshit. Does he no. faint more? No, it's just a three. It's the sign of three. It's too much. It's too much. It's too much. He could have fainted once. I would have been fine with that. Once would have been fine. Faint for Madame Vastra. She has earned that. She deserves a faint. She's a green lizard creature. Nobody else <laughs> I'm deserves okay a faint. With. Yeah. I would faint. <laughs> <laughs> it's when she swoops the big veil over her head. Her entirely see-through veil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. You got me all out of order. Lesbian content, minus one. Why are you a homophobe? Is that where you're out of context? Out <laughs> not, of context, this quote enough. is like minus one. There are lesbos in this episode. Not, not enough lesbian content. I mean, we need more lesbian content. Uh, Strax did not make me laugh as much as he has in previous episodes. Yeah. Minus one. Uh, Doc, the Doc was a monster. I don't know. I wrote Doc slash monster minus one. I don't know. It bothered me. <laughs> Uh, they built a fucking rocket. Minus one. Okay. No reason slash age. Yes, for, for the butlers. Yes. Minus one. The, the butlers. What the fuck are they doing? <laughs> I, I am not writing a new thing for the ratings <laughs> websites to accommodate minus points. Yeah, come on, Marie. No. <laughs> the okay. minimum is... 0.0. So those are my negatives. There are many, many negatives. I did not like this episode. However, I have to give it more than zero mm. because you've just told me I have to. No, I'm sorry. You can give it zero. <laughs> Let the records uh, show exactly what you want to give this, but the website will probably <laughs> colorize it as Let a zero. Let me just count up. Minus 13. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, fine. I guess I, I'm writing it. Bye. <laughs> I will admit that maybe I'm... Minus 13. <laughs> maybe I'm being... Minus 12, I can understand, but minus 13 is beyond the pale. Maybe I'm being a little bit hard. Did you add the positives on? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will go up by a note, and I will give it a 1.3. Wait. wait oh, okay. Wait, wait, what now? What? <laughs> We're just going to shift it all over. Minus 13, you've turned it into 1.3. Well, for your for your scale. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 1.3 it is. I guess it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> okay, cool. 1.3. Yeah. All right. In brackets, <laughs> minus 13. Okay, I'm not sure how to follow <laughs> this triumvirate of uh, minis. Can I interject, which, okay. yeah. which can get edited out? 
But you gave uh, the Angels Tape Manhattan 1.0. Mm. Are you happy that this is going to be rated higher than that? Well, the one I was thinking of was the Wasp. The Wasp. Oh, oh the Donna Noble Tour de Force. And I the think, unicorn and the. I think <laughs> what, I. Di- what? <laughs> Just one of many. I think I disliked the Wasp one more than I disliked this one. So. Vampires of Venice was 0. 0.8. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's that much better. Victory of a Dalek, 0.9. What was the Wasp one? I'm, I'm trying to find it. Oh, wait, what's that? Uh, no, that's Planet of the Dead. Oh, oh, like, no. oh fuck Planet of the Dead. <laughs> Gareth Roberts. Unicorn and the Wasp, 1.0. Okay. Um, so no, you're higher than that. I'm happy with my 1.3. Okay, I'm still with a 1.3. Okay, okay. okay. sorry. Right. <laughs> All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed through this. I'm going to bullet point this. So in the pro column, I'm giving this plus points. Hear me out. I'm giving this plus points for the Paternoster gang and the chap fainting. Wait. No. Wait. I said hear me out. Wait. <laughs> Justify thyself. <laughs> Wait. I'm giving it plus points for general atmosphere. I don't want to repeat general myself. Atmosphere? General atmosphere. It is very atmospheric. In terms of production value, they did a great job. I think there are there are a few scenes where they're just like beautiful shots. As little sense as they make, those weird glass baubles that contain people, those little wax statue rooms in Sweetville, they're beautifully done. I really like that. Like the weird like megaphones that simulate the sound of factories working. Like, oh yeah! Like, there are there are little bits that are great. There are also bits that are dreadful. <laughs> but but in in general, I think that it, this is a very atmospheric episode. You're right. Uh, I was beginning to regret my two point seven, but it does look great a lot of the time. Yeah, I'm also great for nonsense reasons. <laughs> yeah, I do. I really like the um, factory sounds out of the megaphones. That was really cool. Off balance, people. Off balance. See, now I feel like, now I'm justifying my 1.3. No, but... No, why there was a 1, though? Yeah, why would it be minus 13? <laughs> but, to, but to throw a negative into a positive into a negative, oh. they were building a fucking rocket. They didn't have to mask sounds. <laughs> Throwing a negative into a positive into a negative is a shit sandwich. Okay, exactly. so <laughs> my next plus point goes to the rocket. <laughs> no! No! no. Because the design of it was great. It, and it, you know what? It's steampunk. I'm happy with there being something, an, an anachronistic take on technology. Even when, when there was the um, the Cyber King who came yeah. up in conversation tonight, that's not technology that they had access to at the time. But the fact that we now get to see them in a steampunky way use whatever they had at their disposal to build something which they could never build otherwise, that is entertaining to me and I, I i like that i like that there's a steampunk rocket in this it just looked like the least aerodynamic thing i could imagine i loved it i'm also giving a, a plus point for the plot concept i i like the idea of oh people are being taken to this weird facility they're being poisoned they're being whatever like wax statued what yada 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 plus point for the suckling leech because that's just crazy erotic i'm giving <laughs> a, a plus point for strax a little bit for strax because i i enjoy strax in anything and i thought uh, mcgillicuddy was brilliantly evil like just wonderfully heinously evil minus points for the paternoster gang and the chap fainting because there was just not enough paternoster gang and there was way too much of the chap fainting but you just gave plus points for the chap fainting exactly that's why i said hear me out (laughs) (laughs) they cancel each other out madame vastra is brought into this episode as the greatest detective in the uk or in the world or wherever in in victorian england so we say 
but she never gets to solve anything. Like, she does nothing. Mm. She is not a detective in this. Jenny does most of the legwork. Strax, on a couple of occasions, fires a laser weapon. But the rest of it is the Doctor. Like, they are enablers. They are only there to awaken the Doctor so that he can take this episode home. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, all I was going to say was that Vastra doesn't deduce, she recognises. Exactly, yes, exactly. That does not, like, anyone can do that. Anyone who has met the Doctor before could have made that, like, could have uh, recognised him from that photo. Yeah, or any other Silurian down with the coroner. Yeah. Would have been like, that's the red glunk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Further minus points for the plot holes. We've covered them in detail. Podcast land, re-listen to this episode. Minus point for this being yet another Moonraker. I'm sure we've had a Moonraker in Doctor Who on Who Back When before. Please pop a comment on the website and let me know which one it was because I don't remember. But even if we haven't, it's yet another Moonraker because we had bloody Moonraker. And this is just a repeat of that plot. Minus points because there wasn't enough Clara. There wasn't enough Doctor. Ada can go to hell. and. The ending, such a wasted half ending. No survivors, no Abigail. The brother who summons Vastra doesn't show up to go, you cracked the case, Vastra. Like, there's nothing. I think maybe he just stands there at the end, but even, like... There are no lines. There's no. There's well, no conclusion. He has, he has to be there to watch the. Oh TARDIS. yeah, he faints. Yeah, you're right. He yeah. faints when he sees the TARDIS. But there's no conclusion the, to yeah. that arc. He's not there. Like why is he there? Oh, thank goodness I went all the way to bloody London with a <laughs> with this photo, like or whatever it is. Like there's no conclusion to that. Plus the lead up to the next episode. And I remember the next episode being fantastic. By the way, oh. Nightmare in Silver. But there's a bunch of children in it. I despite that. Okay. Maybe but, they all die. Oh. <laughs> Oh, um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but Warwick Davis is in it. and Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Warwick Davis. Uh, you, you, you laugh. He sounds like that. I had him on the radio tonight. He sounds exactly like that. Oh, really, did you? <laughs> yeah, I really did, yeah. Warwick, if you're listening. Come, come and join show. us for a review of Nightmare and Silver. So, There's a lot of pressure to put on my Warwick <laughs> Davis impression next week. <laughs> With all of this in mind, I am. I started off very, very high before we started recording this, and then I talked myself down super duper during this review. I talked myself up again a little bit during, uh, like, over the course of your three minis. Not mine. A little bit, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you talked yourself up 14.3 <laughs> points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to end this on a 2.4. No, no. It's less than half as good as it could be if it were half as great as it would. Fuck, you know what I mean. <laughs> Vodka. <laughs> Not store-bought. <laughs> right, listen to minis. <laughs> let's. Allegedly. <laughs> listener minis. Now let's hear from podcast land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Right, Rooney and cheese nozzles, we've had... Three listener minis. I would like to point out at the start of the uh, episode, it was four. We've seemed to have lost one. Yeah, I, I, I either misread them or misplaced one. I apologize if one of if someone sent in a listener mini and it isn't read out tonight. Then tweet this guy. Tweet him real hard. He's called at Ponkin. You know how to spell that. All in one word. Great. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> Right, first out of the gates, we have Michael Ridgway. 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 <laughs> Love you, Michael. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh. God. 
Oh, Michael. Oh, you're so big. <laughs> Michael. Michael starts with some things he liked. Strax. Jenny and Lizard Lady. More episodes with the Bader Meinhof gang, please. <laughs> Michael also liked Thomas Thomas. Oh. You did not, Michael. He did. He likes also, I'm the doctor and you're nuts. It, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Evil Mrs. Peel. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Diane Rig. Rig. Is is Emma Peel from the Avengers also? We didn't oh. we didn't mention this, did we? Oh, correct, Amanda. Wow, and also vaudeville Penny Dreadful stuff, the creepiest Victorian horror outing since the Doctor story Ghost Light. <laughs> Michael also liked Ye Olde Flashback. Retcon should have been a full-on silent movie with written dialogue. Oh, that would be nice. That would be interessant. I didn't like the flashback filter yay oldie video stuff at all. I, oh, I actually liked quite liked it. Yeah? Yeah, I liked it. Right. Yeah. Sorry, Michael. Michael likes the guy that keeps on fainting. Oh, okay. Do you really, Michael? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. We haven't gotten to his uh, no-no list yet. And he also likes mostly everything. Mostly. He then continues with some... <laughs> <laughs> Some brought to you in quadruple stereo vision <laughs> Michael says he was teased and cheated with Mr. Sweet believing awesome Sam villain the candy man was about to make his long awaited return sadly it was just a bug yeah, it was a good looking bug though Michael has a second one. Oh, I'm so excited two kids will be joining for the next adventure. I'm sure they won't ruin the episode. No siree. A bootleg who back when vodka on standby, please. <laughs> if there's any left, Michael. <laughs> any left over from our imaginations. I'm making sure there won't be. <laughs> In summary, Michael concludes. Wow. It's sad. We are only getting these crackers in the twilight of the 11th. <laughs> so dramatic <laughs> and he gives this a rating of 4.6 out of, out of 5 zombie people dunked in red gloop and creepily preserved in glass domes or something and we should clarify this isn't a sarcastic ironic rating like he gave that previous one that he gave 5 Michael no, no this I seems legit this, yeah. Yeah. Michael Michael, do you want it, Michael? Michael, <laughs> Michael, he's not here in the ring. <laughs> Michael, would you like to listen to our review and rewatch the episode, and then yes, I would. Give us a, <laughs> s a yes. That's worse than your me. A more considered. <laughs> I'm just trying to not review. sound like me. <laughs> this is my impression of anyone else. <laughs> Yeah, I would like to do that. <laughs> Michael? Uh, Where did you get here? <laughs> hey, Michael! That was meant to be a non-accent, by the way. If it sounded like something, but not that in an offensive like way, super, it was not super like, Germanic. Yeah, yeah like, like really German. German. I was a bit like, is Michael German? I didn't know no, that. He, nor is he Finnish. He's not German, nor Finnish. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good that we're confused by it, because that was what it was meant to be. It's definitely not Wigan. <laughs> People of podcast land who are not Michael, you can follow Michael on Twitter and high five him there. He can be found at bad. Underscore. Movie. Underscore. <laughs> Club. Stop doing the underscores. No more underscores. Done with the underscores. Oh, wow. I'm sorry I so aggressively underscored you, Michael. <laughs> Love you, Michael. 
Love you, Michael. Thank you so much. <laughs> to tie that into N100, if you oh. had never started the new channel, yeah. then you would have just carried on with classics. I would never have joined. <gasps> I would never have got Michael listening to this podcast. You'd probably be reviewing Seventh Doctor episodes right now, but he wouldn't be listening to them. No. I would be doing it on my own, weeping <laughs> in my own Parallel urine. universe. <laughs> Michael sat there going, oh my God, I wish someone would review the Seventh Doctor. And Leon said, they're reviewing the Seventh Doctor going, I wish someone would listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Crawl the truth. Nuggets of genius. All right. (laughs) Next up, we have Tracy Tracy from from America. America. Hello, Tracy. Hi, Tracy. Hey there, Tracy. Hello, Tracy. (laughs) Tracy starts Hey, folks, here, have a collection of the things I said out loud while watching this episode. She probably should have said, I'm a lesbian, right away, so you wouldn't have to faint twice. Tracy's next comment in its entirety is, Oh, Strax. Tracy continues, Jenny Ward hides in the factory. Yes, she does. And it's been so long since the expression to Ward hide has been used on this podcast. It has been on a list of topics for potential YouTube videos for about like four years. Like, do a definition of Vaud hiding. Excuse me. Yes, yes, you. Excuse me, I yes. don't exactly know what Vaud hide That's fine. Is. <laughs> <laughs> Please may you interpret this for me. Certainly. And also, Tracy, thank you so much. <laughs> it, it warms my heart that you use this expression. The Vaud, they're an alien race slash political faction slash possibly... Maybe there's a religious aspect to it as well, but I, I think it, there's primarily a political aspect to it in the serial Keys of Marinus, a first Doctor serial. And they like they wore these top-to-bottom onesie uh, diving suit, like black rubber suits. They looked like gimp outfits with horns. They were not <laughs> inconspicuous, and they would like... Wait, gimp outfits don't have horns? Exactly. Imagine... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, not the standard store-bought ones. I oh, mean, right. Like, okay. I'll, I'll introduce you to a dude. Anyway, so th- th- <laughs> you've been role playing all this time and you didn't even know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, in in Keys of Marinus, there are more than a couple of scenes where a Vord would just like press himself against a wall and someone would just like walk past him and not notice. <laughs> and for the longest time on this podcast, but now also not for a super long time, we used to say if anyone really theatrically and poorly hid from anyone else on screen, we would just go like, oh yeah, that dude's Vord hiding. It's been ages since, uh, yeah. Anyway, thanks, Tracy. Oh. Jenny Vaud hides in the factory. Yeah. <laughs> hey, bringing it back. Thanks, Tracy. Couldn't mm. be clearer. The next one is, uh, I hope Matt Smith didn't pop his jaw for this scene. <laughs> Cure anything with that magic wand of his. Mm. Tracy's next exclamation was, Jenny's a lesbian, you dolt. They go in, but they never go out. Continues Tracy. Are they vampires again? Oh, no. Okay, how does he eat that food she gives him if his mouth doesn't close? <laughs> just, just throw it down the gut Swallow. Yeah, with those arms that don't move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just has to, like, launch it back and then, like, catch it. Yeah, catch it's like it. throwing yourself a peanut. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to substitute Drew in for this one. Horse, you have failed in your mission. That's good. a good line. That's a good line. And then I'll swap in here for... Oh, that's right. Clara has a musical theme. Can we talk after escaping the factory? Hmm. Ah, yes. Time to play my organ maniacally. (laughs) 
Oh, shit. Mr. Sweet is a weird leech, man. Oh, it's a rewrite society dealio. Okay, well balanced tension and climax. Hey, this is actually a pretty good episode. <laughs> is it? Is it, Tracy? Is it? And Tracy gives this a rating of, wait, so Vastra's just going to keep that vat of poison? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just on a nice shelf there, out of the way. Out of sight, out of mind. You can high-five Tracy online, and please do and say hi from us. She can be found at... That's Tracy backwards, almost. All right, so we have one more listener mini, and this one comes from Star Wars Hill, Star Wars Hill, Star Wars Hill, who apparently did like Phantom Menace. <gasps> okay. Ooh, what? Yeah. Oh, what? Did not right. know that. Did not know that. Yeah, it's Star not, Wars it's not just some of Star Wars Sill, it's Star Wars Sill. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars Sill begins. The Victorian man fainting dead away at the sight of Vastra made me giggle aloud. The second time it happened, I just smiled. And the third, I just stared blankly at him. Do you know, same. Also, Fair. same. Mm. So, so continues. I liked Ada. <gasps> I love that Strax has been eating the jelly sherbet fancies again. Oh, yeah. I love the pipe organ secret door. Mm. And that Buster and Jenny have not seen the Doctor since he gained the newest Clara. Mm. But, says Star Wars Hill, the leech is gross. <laughs> Star Wars Hill has a question. One of the pictures the kids shows Clara at the end of, is of the Doctor, Clara, and the two characters from the Hyde episode. Who took the picture? The creature? The TARDIS? A well-observed Star Wars Very Hill. well-observed. Yeah, did not, <laughs> did not the time traveller take the picture? Maybe they just... Maybe this is what Drew said, right? This is the... Is this the mirror picture like it has to it needs to have been a mirror picture yeah. be at best a, st- yeah. a selfie mirror a, week, a selfie mirror picture maybe you're right maybe the time traveler and the time traveler they all nipped the in, they were like let's just take a quick yeah just to remember just to like remember this they've all been blurry so far can we have one four. picture without yeah. a ghost in the background yeah, yeah come on and i'm basically nice not one. in the episode so me being in the picture wouldn't make any sense exactly <laughs> no one wants to see me no no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't remember who I am. <laughs> In like three weeks' time, when you add this next episode, I'll be long gone. Yeah, I have actually forgotten what her name was. Star Wars still continues. <laughs> <laughs> the blackmail at the end wasn't terribly well thought out. I mean, so the kids show their dad the pictures and claim Clara's a time traveler. <laughs> Either the dad believes them, terribly unlikely, or he just dismisses it as some profoundly bizarre coincidence. Either way, I'm not sure Clara would suffer much in the way of consequences. Yeah, the dad would yeah, just say, true. you've been photoshopping the nanny again. Yeah, exactly. stop doing this. You yeah. wouldn't think it was a coincidence. You would just think they'd just been trying to fool you yeah like, ah, you didn't fool me I, I'm smarter <laughs> than you yeah because I'm a grown up although yeah. I was dumb enough to have kids uh, not what I was trying to say <laughs> <laughs> really seems like it's been a theme for many of the 100 episodes <laughs> no I'm not saying kids are dumb I'm saying kids are not detectives who back when as a podcast is not against children no. we just don't support them as an ex-child myself <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not opposed to children Children. We support your decision not to have children. Thanks. We do. So does Star Wars still give, us a, give this a rating of any sort? Star Wars still gives us a rating of 4.3 out of 5 Victorian dresses. <gasps> what? Because I love them so dearly. Oh. 
Though the Doctor Who creators seem to think dressing in black was normal for a Victorian one. Victorian women perceive black to be the color of mourning and ugly. I would only wear it when in mourning. I read a lot of novels written in the 1800s when growing up. <laughs> so still finishes with congratulations on the 100th new Who Who Back When episode. <laughs> You're always fun to listen to. Aww. At least based on the first 99. <laughs> <laughs> you wait. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is Sil. the worst one yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after this. Raising a glass to you, Sil. Thank uh, you very much. We are. And to ourselves. Chin chin out, sponges. <laughs> Star Wars Sil can be found online. Tell her hi from us. She can be found at Star Wars Sil. That's it. Stop. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thank you very much, Star Wars Sil. <laughs> so, where to next? We have a classic Who review coming up first. Yeah, next up we have The Face of Evil. Nice. After that, we're getting back to the new Who's <laughs> with uh, another one of very few remaining Matt Smith episodes, namely... Nightmare in Silver! Correcto Mundo. And that's about it. In the meantime, you can say hello to us. Marie, are you on Twitter? No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Drew, are you on Twitter? I am. All my Tweety Baser belong to you, at Drew Back When. Excellent branding. Jim, are you on Twitter? Yes, I can be found at Jimmy the Who. Jimmy the what now? No, Jimmy the Who. That's right. <laughs> and I am at Ponkin until I rebrand properly. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. You've been a lovely audience. A rock on and cha-chao. Bye-bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> uh, hello and bye. <laughs> Goodbye. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when? I mean, I mean, everybody's laughing at me, but I do love you. You're great. <laughs> Keep going. Rock on. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can press stop now, Leon. <laughs>